Good evening. Welcome into Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening, the last day of February, February 28th, 2019, as we get ready for the National Championship Tournaments to begin. I am your host, Dave McHugh, and we hope you will tune in and join us throughout the shows. we got plenty to talk about as we get ready for the National Championship Tournaments, as we said. Got questions for us? You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, dave.mchugh at d3sports.com. And you can also, of course, join us on Facebook at facebook.com, where we are simulcasting the show. We are also simulcasting on Periscope. You can also chat in our chat rooms, whether they be YouTube, Facebook, wherever you may be watching us. We hope you will take advantage of that, and we look forward to having you participate. Um, we've got a, quite a bit of shows to talk about tonight. Um, we have a, a number of guests. We also have some predictions. We'll give you the list of guests. We might as well make it easier. Matt Hunter of York Men's Basketball will join us here in just a few minutes. He'll talk about his team's return to the national championship a second year in a row, especially after losing so many scoring leaders from last year's squad. Bobby Hughes of Rosemont will join us to talk about the Ravens. And getting into the tournament for the very first time and the trip to Rochester and their foe Amherst. We'll then have our women's final four predictions. We reached out to some friends and experts. We only got a couple, but we'll get their take on women's basketball. Brian Morehouse will then join us from the number 10 Hope Women's Basketball Program. He'll join us in what is the WBCA Center Court. Talk to him about not only his team, the national championship, but certainly his work with the WBCA and more about the All-Star Game, including news on who will be coaching those teams. Brian Fisher will join us in the number 13 Oshkosh Women's Basketball Program, talking to him about hosting the team, how well they're playing, how young they are especially, and what their expectations were this season. And then Terry Butterfield from Texas Dallas will join us. He'll talk about the trip out to Walla Walla, Washington. And of course, plenty more, including the ASC Championship. Good to have Terry back on the program. We'll then wrap things up with the men's Final Four predictions from our friends and experts. A few more on the men's side. We're a few more interesting enough. We're willing to take a gamble on the men's side than the women's, though. Admittedly, I also was late in my request, so that also didn't help either. So there you go. That's how you can interact with us. We hope you'll take advantage of it. Todd Pedler saying it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is, absolutely. As we get ready for championships, don't forget, I'm not going anywhere. This studio will be Tournament Central starting tomorrow. We'll clean it up a little bit. I can see some things in the background that shouldn't be there, but we'll get them taken care of for tomorrow. We have uh, the uh, Ryan Scott will join us in here. We may even get some additional help. Gordon Mann will join us on Saturday for D3Hoops.com's Whip Around. As it returns after a year hiatus, got it off the ground and took a year off. Now it's back. 5 o'clock Eastern time on Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. This is the only place, the absolute only place that you will see and be able to see every single game when we dip into them and when we don't. We'll talk about games going on and what is keeping us interested. This is the only place you can see it. There is no other place. Imagine like NFL Red Zone on steroids to some degree. There are 64 games taking place tomorrow. We will keep a pulse of most of them, if not all. Dip in when necessary. Even split the box up if we have to. So that's how you get a hold. Uh, that's what you need to be watching. You can get everything, all your information at d3hoops.com. We'll keep you um, informed and up to speed 
And of course, on Saturday, we'll continue with six o'clock start time for the whip around. There's three women's games starting at five o'clock Eastern time. Not a big deal. Six o'clock start allows us to dip into them as they are into their second halves to keep an eye on those. But bulk of the games will take place after that. So a six o'clock start. And again, Ryan Scott and Gordon Mann will join us on Saturday here in studio to break that all down. Of course, all leading up to Fort Wayne and Salem, Virginia. Fort Wayne on the men's side, Salem on the women's side. Um, if you want tickets, and I highly encourage you go get tickets, uh, they are on sale. I know they're on sale at Manchester Athletics' website for the men's side, and I believe through Ticketmaster and all those other fancy ways of doing it. And on the women's side, they're on sale, I believe, at Roanoke College Athletics' website, plus every other way you would normally do it. Um, on the men's side, of course, it is at Warren, um, Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Sorry, have to get that all in my head right. And that is in Fort Wayne with Manchester, the host, and, of course, the city of Fort Wayne as well. I want to thank our partners at Visit Fort Wayne for uh, being a part of the show. And so go get your tickets. Of course, with the women, it's at Craiger Center on the campus of Rono College, not at the Salem Civic Center, which is a perfect environment, to be honest, for the women's game. And, of course, the hosts are Odak, along with Roanoke, and, of course, our friends at the city of Salem. Get your tickets today, and we hope you will think about going out, even if your team is not in the hunt. It is worth it, especially the All-Star Games. Of course, the first one for the women's will debut. And, again, Brian Morehouse will be on the show later, and he actually tells us who will be coaching those teams. It is a, a must-listen. You want to hear who those coaches are. I don't think you'll be surprised, but I think you will be pleased. So there you go. That's how we're getting things going today. There's nothing to talk about games being played because no games have been played in the NCAA tournament. Yes, there are some events like the ECACs that are taking place, but we're not focused there right now. We're focused on the NCAAs. Yeah, I think some people are still stinging a little bit over some of the decisions on the women's side of things. Um, there was, I think, some... Uh, listen, the Trine, Thomas Moore one, I dug a little bit deeper in behind the scenes, and I think it came down to this on the women's side. They were stuck. They didn't know who to send there specifically. I, I think we can hem and haw over it. Uh, yeah, Hope might have been a good choice, but then you got to send Trine somewhere. Maybe Trine goes to Wartburg. I think we're still going to be rolling our eyes at, at Trine Wartburg to some degree. Um, regionally ranked-wise, I mean, they could have sent Transylvania there, but then Transylvania is the number two, and now you're going to have Trine host. I, I don't know if that's necessarily any better because now you have literally the one and two in the Great Lakes sitting in Thomas Moore. It is not ideal. I still wish we could have found a better way to do it than have two top five teams meet in the second round. Granted, those top five rankings having absolutely nothing to do with this. But having talked to quite a few other individuals about it, I, I think the committee found them in, themselves in a spot for two two things that caused problems. One, they didn't have enough time to really dive into it. Um, yes, you would want them to have more time. Well, if we're going to need more time, we're going to need teams to stop playing on Sunday afternoons. Uh, they've got to be playing done by early Sunday afternoon. They can't be playing at 3, 4, 5, 6 o'clock at night. Um, it doesn't allow the committee enough work. They spend enough work just trying to get teams selected properly to then have to then bracket. Bracket's going to take, uh, take the hit on the time. So that's the first problem. And, and then the second one is I think, you know, I, I think to some degree, Maybe the selections didn't allow enough flexibility, or the women are still and I women are still at trying to figure out this how much of the 500 miles they want to use. I think in some areas we see them get very diverse. I mean, Loris, um, DePaul, Pomona, Pitzer are all at Oshkosh. 
You know, we've we've shown you other examples, John Carroll, Middlebury, uh, and Shenandoah at DeSales, where they seem to figure that out. And then there's other examples where, where they don't. And I think there's still that crossroads in figuring it out. Maybe some extra time in, in bracketing would help. But those are the two reasons we have it. I wouldn't say it's unavoidable, but I also know it's also tough. And, and that's about the last I'm going to say about it. Um, I don't envy these committees. They're they're forthright with us for the most part. They're honest with us for the most part, best I can tell. And I think it's an unfortunate scenario that Trine has taken on Thomas Moore. But it is what it is. They're going to have to play at this point. And to be honest with you, if you look around the first and second rounds of the tournament, there aren't a lot of easy matchups. And that's because women's basketball has gotten so much better, especially at the top and middle, that is making the first ter- first rounds competitive. And, of course, on the men's side, it is extremely competitive. Uh, there are going to be upsets only because we deem them to be upsets. It does not mean there are teams out there who cannot compete. Will Rosemont beating Amherst be an upset? Yeah, that would probably be a prototypical upset. But there's other games out there that look like upsets that shouldn't that aren't because because there's so much and we haven't used this word a lot in, in recent weeks. But there is so much parity in Division Three men's basketball. More is coming in women's. It is definitely thick in men's. And while we'll see the predictions later, and I think a lot of people expect the top teams to get to 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 Fort Wayne. I should say, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a whole weird class there of teams because I think it's just that good. A bracket and that good a tournament, and there are that many good teams. Uh, I changed my first place vote. If you tuned in Monday, you would have heard that, I think. I barely got through it. But I moved to Whitman off of Nebraska Wesleyan. I have loved the way Nebraska Wesleyan's played most of the season, but they have had too many close games. They are not controlling teams like I'm used to seeing. And I decided to go with with uh, Whitman, who seems to be more in control. Remember, this is a Whitman team that gives us a direct correlation. So does Nebraska Wesleyan with Loris. Whitman's got Whitworth. And when I see Whitman absolutely dismantle a team, whether they're playing them the first or the end or the second on the weekend, and I see Whitworth struggle more, it tells me Whitworth isn't as strong, but it tells me Whitman is stronger. Whereas in Nebraska Wesleyan and Loris, I see Nebraska Wesleyan and Loris having tight games. I start to think Nebraska Wesleyan isn't as strong as I think. Now, here's the deal with Nebraska Wesleyan. I still think they're strong. One of the deepest programs in the country. But my mentality with them right now is they got to stop toying with everybody. They got to stop playing with everybody. They got to stop putting their foot down. This is the time. They got to do it now or they're not going to be in Fort Wayne and they're not going to be able to defend their national championship. Really impressed with what they can do. Do not get me wrong. I would not be surprised if they win it, but I decided to go with Whitman as my first place vote because of it. Jay Cozen says it's like Christmas Eve tonight, although we Philadelphia already get an early massive Christmas gift in the way Bryce Harper in a couple hours go. Thank you, Beltway. Hey, Jay, enjoy that um, contract, buddy. I notice there's absolutely no outs for anybody. Sounds like everybody's stuck with a 13-year deal. Listen, he's a good player in Bryce Harper, but good luck with that. I don't know if I'd be celebrating necessarily. Uh, And Philly isn't exactly known to know what to do with talent. Um, Anyway, back to basketball. Uh, It is like Christmas Eve. You are right. Uh, NJCU men's basketball has finally arrived in Marietta after 10 hours on the bus. I'm glad to hear they finally got there. A little later than I would have expected them to get there, but I'm glad they're there. Uh, My back hurts. Ira, I feel horrible for you. I really do. I mean, really up there with horrible. Uh, I saw earlier that uh, Hanover's pod on the men's side is sold out. Um, Second round tickets will be available, but uh, they'll be sold between one and three at... um, Where is Hanover? Oh, I'm sorry. That, I'm reading that wrong. That's Randolph-Macon. 
apologize. Randolph Macon has sold out. No surprise there. Um, <laughs> Pat Coleman with a great tweet, by the way, per that news. Um, now, outstanding. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoopsville. At, email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. Use the hashtag Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get our interview started. S many of our interviews are pre-taped tonight, but several of them are not. The next one coming up is not. Matt Hunter will join us to talk about the York College Spartans men's basketball team. Really impressed that they're into the tournament considering, considering um, how much they lost from last year's team. But they're in the tournament, and we'll talk to Matt about it. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we get back. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. March is upon us, and that means it's time for the D3Hoops.com Whip Around. Where else can you find the true madness that the Division III basketball bracket has to offer? Our crew will get you from one big moment to another as the NCAA tournament start with a bang. All the action comes in a rush on Friday and Saturday, and Dave McHugh, Gordon Mann, and Ryan Scott will make sure you can follow all the big games. So why follow one game, or two, when you can follow 96 in just over 24 hours? Tune into the D3Hoops.com Whip Around Show on Friday at 5 Eastern, Saturday at 6, only on D3Hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Thursday evening as we get ready for the NCAA tournaments. Once again, reminder, tomorrow, Tournament Central is the Hoopsville Studios. 
as we get you ready for and rolling in the D3 Hoops whip around. The, we will start our coverage at 5 o'clock Eastern time here on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern or 6 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. Of course, we didn't do it last year. It gave me an opportunity for a rare feat. I got to see uh, essentially four games on Friday of the first round. I ran up to York College where they were hosting and got to see Yeshiva play in Hamilton and, so, and others. And then after the second game was over, ran down to Johns Hopkins in, in the middle of a, by the way, a brutal windstorm and got to see uh, Brockport and Hopkins and MIT and others play there. It was a rare occurrence due in part again to the fact that uh, we didn't have whip around, but because of Yeshiva being in, times had gotten shifted. To be honest, didn't think York College would be back this season. They were losing a ton of absolutely talented players, and I thought, you know, they would take a little bit of time to rebuild in a tough, what I thought, conference. Salisbury and Christopher Newport would dominate things. Well, surprise, surprise, finishing second in the conference, really tied for first with Christopher Newport, was the York Spartans, and they got in that large pick and now are dancing with their shoes on nice and comfy and joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Matt Hunter. And coach, congratulations. This is a, a heck of an accomplishment considering how much you guys lost from last year's squad. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been a uh, fun team to work with, and these guys just uh, didn't worry too much about who we lost, but who was here and just kept working to, to get better and see what we can do every chance we get to compete. Um. You guys, obviously, again, 21-7 and seven on the season. Nothing to shake a stick at. Um, you guys started the season 3-2, you know, and two, then won another three, then lost three of four. But it's been that since that point when you lost to Christopher Newport back on January 2nd where you guys seem to have settled in, took advantage of the conference, certainly, but also avoided some of the uh, unnecessary losses. Mary Washington tripped you up, certainly, but you controlled things the rest of the way. What's the difference between that first half and that second half this year? There's a lot. We made uh, some adjustments, you know, after our December games and kind of got some things figured out over Christmas break. And guys came back and uh, we fought through a nice team illness. So maybe that was it. <laughs> we battled that off and uh, we came back, uh, Played, played pretty well down at Christopher Newport and kind of took off from that point. And the guys just, again, we just really focused on going one game at a time and what we needed to do and not anything else that was going on outside of our gym. You, again, only lost to Christopher Newport and Mary Washington in that span since January 2nd and had a lot of games. The last bit, kind of a, a lot at home. You can controlled most of February at home with only – three games on the road, two in conference in regular season, and, of course, on the road against uh, Christopher Newport in their championship game. You certainly seem to have CNU's number a little bit when it comes to, to even matchups and how you guys play against them. What worked um, during the regular season? What didn't work in the championship game? Yeah, you know, I think we've played now six times over the last two years, and every game's been really close, um, you know, in the first – 25 minutes or so were the same way on uh, on Saturday, and then it went on a great run, and we just weren't able to answer back this time. When you look at, again, you guys, what, three 1,000-point scores from last year's team, something along those lines? A lot of talent. Some guys had to step up. Who changed their roles in on this team, and, and how did that affect things in the, on the overall scheme? 
Yeah, I think, you know, anytime you graduate players like Matt and Dalton and Blade, you know, you're going to have to make some adjustments. And I think that's something that all the, the great programs do around the country is, you know, players graduate. There's no long-term contracts. So you have good players graduate and you have good players waiting in the wings and you have good players coming in through recruiting and each year is a different team and, and what you did the season before really has absolutely no impact on what this season is going to gonna offer to us. So it's those guys' jobs to develop and grow and we certainly had you know other talented players here that were ready to step into bigger roles and, and start making plays at, a, at an elite level for us. You have four guys in double figures, led by a senior in Jason Batty, and, of course, then three juniors, Jared Wagner, Darren Goodwin, and, and Joey Palzinski. Uh, 18 and a half points for Batty, down to 10 and a half points for Balzinski, and, of course, the guys rebound as well. All, all four of them are four rebounds or better. The, that's a nice core group to have, certainly. Obviously, three of them coming back, but that core group seems to be the, the tough part. Someone's going to have to – defense is going to have to pick a poison almost. Yeah, I mean, Jason Beatty uh, had an incredible senior year, and, um, you know, he, he draws a lot of attention. And then Wagner and Fraunheim and Gordon and Polchinski and Novick and Giuliani, and we just different guys come in and, and play different roles. And, um, you know, they're, they're ready to do what every game requires. And each game is different, and each matchup is different. And, uh, they're just ready to, to go out on the floor and compete and do what we have to do in order to be successful. Your rotation's interesting. You'll go about six deep most games, seven deep really, if you count Nolan Smith who's played in 27 or 28 games. And then there's a lot of guys who've played in 18, 19, maybe 14 or 15 games. What What's dictated either you're going with a short bench or going deeper? Again, matchups and kind of what we like on a given day. And, um, you know, again, you get in the league play and things kind of naturally tighten up a little bit. And, you know, we play in an awesome league in the CAC against some really, really good teams and a lot of veteran teams with really good players coming back. And so, again, that kind of dictates who's ready to play on the road in January and February. Um, and, you know, our guys did an awesome job adjusting as as we went through the season you play two teams that are in the ncaa tournament in swarthmore and christopher newport uh obviously swarthmore got your number pretty good back in uh early january um or i should say late december i'm sorry it was uh, early january was christopher newport game can you take anything from those games to prep for what is ahead of you in in DeSales at randolph macon or is this kind of fresh yeah i mean uh those December games, you know, forced us to, to grow up and, and make some adjustments and kind of figure ourselves out. Um, and, you know, they, they have a lot of responsibility for where we are now and who we are now. And, um, so you certainly you learn from every opportunity that you have to compete. And certainly I think the, the battles that we were in during league play really kind of hardened us and sharpened us and got us ready, hopefully, for, you know, the moments that we'll be in this weekend. You got to sales ahead. What do you, what do you make of the Bulldogs? What do you expect from them? And, and what do you expect from the game, essentially? 
Yeah, obviously, Scott's done an incredible job building the program, and so you know you're playing against an incredibly well-coached team uh, that has won a ton of NCAA games in the last 10 years, uh, and they're they're ready for this moment. And you know, we just it's two good teams that are getting ready to to compete tomorrow afternoon. Last time I think that a CAC team played at Randolph-Macon in the opening weekend. Mary Washington went on to a pretty memorable run, uh, knocking off the home team and getting all the way to the Elite Eight before falling. It's a pretty good omen. Anything? Any thoughts of what is the uh, Yellow Jackets den? Yeah, we had the opportunity to play here a couple years ago, so um, those upperclassmen that we've talked about are, are familiar with it. We played in a great tournament here against John Hopkins and Randolph Macon. Um, so the guys guys were familiar with the surroundings and we had a, a really good and exciting practice this afternoon. And, you know, guys, again, they just, we have a competitive group and we're ready to uh, step on the floor and, and step up to the challenge of the sales tomorrow. Well, we're looking forward to seeing how the team, how the team plays out. I, I assume at this point it's about having fun. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, it's a fun group to be around and, they love to compete, and then that's where we kind of draw our enthusiasm and our excitement from, and, you know, tomorrow will certainly be no different for our group. Before we let you go, at the beginning of the season, when you guys put what your expectations were for the year, was making the NCAA tournament part of those expectations? Was winning, you know, being in, in the fray in the conference part of those expectations, or you guys exceeded those? Uh, I don't ever put any expectations on the board. You know, <laughs> we talk about – having a really good practice today and that making us better for tomorrow. And it may seem uh, cliche, but that is a hundred percent who we are. I've never once talked about it with our team. Um, you know, one of the unique things with this season is we did start all the way back in September before a trip to, to Canada over break. Um, so we've been going at it for a while and we really have just focused on, what do we have to do today to get better and learn from every opportunity? And that kind of put us in this position now. And I'm certainly not changing that tonight. So we just <laughs> focused on having a good practice today. And we're going to go have a great team dinner here in a few minutes. And that will uh, spur us on into tomorrow. Very good, Matt. I appreciate the time. Enjoy the dinner. Enjoy the game. Congratulations on back-to-back 20-win seasons and NCAA tournament berths. Appreciate your time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, I just appreciate you guys having us on and recognizing our program, you know, and uh, we appreciate that, and we're looking forward to representing your college and the York community tomorrow afternoon. Very good. Good luck. Enjoy it. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Matt Hunter joining us here from York College men's basketball again, 21 and 7, 12 and 2 in conference play is how they finish, but they'll be taking on DeSales in the first round game at 5:30 at Randolph-Macon. Um, DeSales finished 21 and 6, 12 and 2 in their conference as well in the MAC Freedom. Um, of course, Blue Frame Technology, the Hoopsville Hotline guests or hosts, and we appreciate Blue Frame Technology's sponsorship of our program. Before we go to break, Barry asks, is the NCA responsible for live streaming the tourney games or do the host schools do it? And what do we find videos for those for this weekend? Well, multiple things to break down out of that. First off, uh, this in 
Turner is actually responsible for all NCAA productions. Uh, it's part of their deal with Division One men's basketball's contract for the for the basketball tournament. So Turner is actually responsible for all NCAA video production efforts. Um, they are responsible to a point. They're not going to go out there for the uh, first two weekends of the tournament and try and get. I mean, imagine every single championship tournament in every single division across the country. It's nearly impossible. So the schools are able to um, get that for free as long as they keep it commercial free um, to a point. Uh, but as you know, they can run PSAs, for example. But as long as they make it commercial free, they can um, they can stream the games. Uh, for free they can pay a fee if they want and be treated like uh, a normal streaming entity that is up to the school we run into it on a couple of occasions here and there um as far as the links d3hoops.com sir d3hoops.com we will have a full tournament page it's already up and running for tomorrow that you can uh, check we'll have all the links and of course whip around right here uh tune in tournament central right here as we will go through this is this is where you will see all the games when we dip into them, you can't see all 64 games, obviously, live, but we'll keep you abreast of what's going on around the country, dip into games when necessary, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope that answers your question. Turner's technically responsible for all NCAA productions, unless, by the way, somebody like CBS, ESPN, or whatever picks up a broadcast. Uh, that is, for example, the Final Four. That's where the NCAA Turner does have to step up and do those championships. Again, schools can do it, and they will be doing it, and Tournament Central will be here on Whip Around. We will get you to all the games that we find necessary, and you can find all links for all games on D3Hoops.com. Hope that answered your question, Barry. When we come back, we'll talk to Rosemont men's basketball coach Bobby Huge Hughes to talk about their huge opportunity. First time in the NCAA tournament, taking on Amherst at Rochester. It's a perfect mix of some pretty pretty cool opportunities for the Ravens. We'll see what he thinks about it all coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division Three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. Welcome to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW-Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Director's Cup Top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student-athletes. UW-Eau Claire is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold? My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. 
great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. That means it's time for the D3Hoops.com Whip Around. Where else can you find the true madness that the Division Three basketball bracket has to offer? Our crew will get you from one big moment to another as the NCAA tournament start with a bang. All the action comes in a rush on Friday and Saturday, and Dave McHugh, Gordon Mann, and Ryan Scott will make sure you can follow all the big games. So why follow one game, or two, when you can follow 96 in just over 24 hours? Tune into the D3Hoops.com Whip Around show on Friday at 5 Eastern, Saturday at 6, only on D3Hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we get ready for the NCAA Division III Championship Tournaments to begin tomorrow. You can find all your information you need on D3Hoops.com. Don't forget, whip around again. We'll be here. Tournament Central tomorrow, the only place you can keep track of every single game going on in Division Three. Ryan Scott will be joining me. Gordon Mann will join us on Saturday as we do the whip around. 5 o'clock on Friday, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Of course, a lot of teams, their first time ever in the NCAA Tournament. That's, that's the truth with Rosemont men's basketball. I, uh, I had told uh, Bobby Hughes, the head coach, who I've known for years in his time in the Centennial Conference as an assistant at Washington College, that if he ever made the NCAA tournament, it was, it'd be an easy decision to have him on the show. Uh, slam dunk, you could say. Well, they're in, and so I had to fulfill that promise to get him on the show. They are heading up. They are in Rochester, New York. So they're at the other palestra that they're familiar with, and they'll be taking on Amherst. It is a heck of a combination for Rosemont, but I have a feeling they wouldn't have it any other way. I talked to him earlier today about the opportunity as he joined us in the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. He joined us earlier because, you know, the schedule sometimes just doesn't allow everybody to be on live on a tournament preview show, but we talked earlier today. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Ravens. No, not that team. It's Rosemont's head coach, Bobby Hughes. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us, sir. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. As I said in the in the introduction, um, I, I had always made a promise that you make the NCAA tournament, you get a spot on Hoopsville, and so we're coming through <laughs> with that right here and right now. I appreciate that. I, I think my wife appreciates it more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's nice to know she even knows what that is. Um, I think mine would like to forget it sometimes. Um, so, hey, you're in the tournament. Let's 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 just celebrate the fact that you guys won the CSAC. You got in on the automatic bid. You're not getting in any other way, shape, or form. Um, but more importantly, you're on an eight-game winning streak. Things are seem to be peaking at just the right time here. Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to someone else on the phone this morning, one of my friends from high school, and uh, he had come out to my game on, I think it was January 30th, with, that left us at 7-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. Things were looking pretty bleak at that point, and I remember walking uh, back to the vans to drive back to Rosemont, just thinking, how can we figure this thing out? And the, the fact that we've been able to peel off eight in a row since then has been uh, – just a shot in the arm uh, for for the team and and obviously for the school um, and have this opportunity to go against Amherst tomorrow. uh, It's just tremendous, uh, you know, all around. 
Yeah, that loss to Immaculata was your fifth loss in eight games just in the new year. As you said, you guys were sitting there at eight and twelve. Now you're uh, fifteen and twelve, or you should—I should say—you were seven and twelve. Got things going with Keystone, and and listen, a lot of those games were on the road. Uh, yeah. You might have been home against Keystone and Wilson, but you were then on the road all but one of your next five games: Clark Summit, Cairn, Brennanthon, Wilson, Cairn again. You guys had to do this the hard way. Yeah, and you know what's funny is we had just beaten Arcadia, which you know obviously was a, a great win for the program this year right mm-hmm. before we played in Immaculata, and we thought, hey, maybe this is turning around. So to go out and really lay an egg that night uh, versus the Mighty Max was very disappointing, and uh, I think it's a, a credit to the guys that we sat down and we just said, hey, there's still a path to march here. There's still a path to get to where we want to go. It's just going to take – uh, an exceptional effort and belief more than anything that we're capable of doing it. I, I think going into the year, we thought, hey, we're one of the one or two best teams in, in our conference along with Karen. And we knew that this was a possibility, but it's just, it's sometimes hard to see that when you're sitting there at seven and 12. So again, the fact that we were on the road, we've been on the road all year. If you look at our non-conference mm-hmm. schedule, you'll see that we very rarely played at home in the first semester. We, we didn't have our first home game until I think it was, December 19th. So getting on a van, getting on a bus, going to somebody else's place is, is re- relatively comfortable for us. What do you have against alumni gymnasium for, for the love of <laughs> I mean, come on. You can play at home once in a while. It's allowed. I, I know, but, you know, the, the def, generally the accommodations other, uh, you know, in other places are a little bit nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Well, that's true. I mean, it's nice to go to new places. I don't, I don't mind that at all. Uh, I get no, that. And, and alumni, it's an incredible home court advantage for us, the size and everything else. And it was really a, a quirk of the scheduling, whoever was responsible for that, I don't know, uh, that we ended up with that type of schedule. Um, and, and, you know, I think in the future I learned a hard lesson at, because we were 7-12, and 12, that, hey, maybe don't do it this way, you know, down the line. Sure. Um, you are the favorite, if memory serves, to win the CSAC. Um, Karen ended up being the team that was undefeated at one point. It feels like it was a little bit of a, an interesting season in what was a retooled and kind of all of you learning new CSAC to some degree. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that was one of the first things that we had to kind of adjust to just being named the preseason favorite. And obviously a lot of that is based on the fact that, you know, we had kind of been the top team of that group in previous years, but you know, we never wore the target on our backs. And I think that, that's a, a different thing, whether you're playing in league and you have some new teams, like we went to Wilson first game of the conference season and they just, you could tell how much it mattered to them to play us. And we weren't accustomed to that. You know, we weren't accustomed to, to being that. And I think even from teams from outside the conference, they'd say, Oh, well, this is the, this is supposed to be the top team in the CSAC, whether we were playing like it or not. And that's something that I think it took a little while for our team to adjust to, I don't know if you want to call it pressure, but just that expectation that you're going to get teams, you know, you're going to get teams. You're not going to get teams on an off night as often as maybe we had in the past. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, we, you know, everyone has a new focus as it were on what, sure. you know, is ahead of them in conference play. And now that you, again, you guys had been kind of, yeah, I don't want to say the second tier in the old CSAC. You, you had no. been nipping at the heels of the top guys, the Cabrini's yep. and, the Gwinnett Mercies for a couple of years. And so I can see where those expectations were. It's interesting how you guys had to kind of understand, Oh no, the spotlight's on you. Yeah, it it really was. And, you know, give a lot of credit to 
to Karen and to Jason over there for really kind of embracing that mantle of being the top team and playing like the top team as long as they they did. And and obviously our our championship game was a real battle and a te- you know really just a, a testament to the best of what Division three college basketball could be. I'd encourage anyone to go look at the environment that Karen produced. Uh, you know, in, in their home gymnasium that evening. I mean, it was incredible. And we were very fortunate to come away with the win. But I, I think that every time we won after that 7-12 and 12 point, we just gained a little bit more confidence. And I think that the, uh, you know, the guys started realizing, okay, this is who we should have been all along. This is who we should be. And, you know, some adjustments uh, to the roster, some adjustments to the rotation, all that go into play. But ultimately, like I said to you before, Dave, They've gone out and they've taken a game plan every single night and tried to put it, you know, into play. And thankfully, it's worked out for us. Got a mixture of uh, seniors and juniors kind of leading the way. Three seniors, a handful of juniors, including Keith uh, Blasingdale, who's leading the way uh, scoring-wise at nearly 20 points a game. Also, uh, one of your top assist, or really is your top assist guy um, in that category. A senior and, and Basil Thompson is second on the team in scoring. You've got four guys in double figures. Um, I'm sorry, Thompson has only played half the season, but Myers is who I was thinking of on the senior side, yeah. 15 points yeah, a game. No worries. <laughs> uh, and then Simmonson at 11 points a game, so three guys in double figures. Sorry, Basil. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and, of course, near double-double from Myers at 9.6 rebounds a game. So you got a nice kind of upper-class leadership, but it also feels like that means, to some degree, you got to take advantage of the opportunity that's presented to you right now. No, absolutely. I mean, Jaleel's obviously been a second-team all-league guy the last two years, and um, for a team, you know, we're not uh, the biggest team in the world. He provides that rebounding for us on the interior and, and somewhat of a presence down there. And I've said to a couple people over the last week that as Keith improved this season, and he obviously, we're fortunate, he has some tournament experience being a transfer from Cabrini uh, from the last two years. Uh, as he's really elevated his game, and become uh, undoubtedly, you know, our top guy. Um, that's elevated the play of everybody else, and it's really, I think, again, a testament to him to take, you know, kind of hold of that mantle and, and really own it, not just in the games, not just because he's getting the most shots, but because he's trying to do it every day in practice. You got Amherst ahead of you. Um, I think I jokingly <laughs> yeah. said on the uh, on the national uh, broadcast, whether you heard it or not, you guys were obviously in, enjoying the moment. I said yeah. to the effect that you know they're celebrating this right now, <laughs> except that coach is looking at that going, oh boy, uh, you've yeah. got to you've got to forgive the term mammoth team here ahead of you um, no. in, in Amherst, who is playing just like you guys at their peak to some degree. Yeah. No, I mean, they're obviously uh, an exceptionally talented team. Um, when I saw their name go up there, I was actually watching the NESCAC championship game on Sunday while I was sitting around uh, my house just thinking, hey, you know, that maybe whoever won that game, whether it was Hamilton uh, or, or Amherst, that might be where we're headed. Um, and when I saw our name come up underneath theirs, I just said, okay, well, if you're going to go into the NCAA tournament, <laughs> you might as well go in in style. Yeah. There's an old adage that said, you know, to avoid Western Massachusetts, we sort of did that. <laughs> you did. Just not – you avoided location. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you avoid, they just drag. Interesting enough, you would have been there. Should you know, in theory, yeah. on how the pod exactly. is built, um, if if you had been, uh, if Amherst was allowed to to host, right. you're at, exactly. You're at Rochester. Interesting enough. Interestingly yeah. enough, easy for me to say, um, which is one of the meccas in terms of arenas to go play or see or whatever in Division Three. You know, you're going to the Palestra, so you guys are kind of getting it all here with this with this trip. No, it's an incredible. I told my guys that last night, and obviously, being from you know a school outside of Philadelphia, we're familiar with another palestra being yeah, like yeah a little a different, a little different basketball. <laughs> and no, but it, it is incredibly special for us to have this experience and to play here, where so many great players, so many great games uh, have taken place throughout the years, and it's something that I hope our guys really appreciate and playing the opponent that you know we're playing. Um, but I think it's important to know that. We're not playing the Amherst teams of the past. I mean, this mm-hmm. Amherst team is incredibly talented. I mean, one, the thing that sticks out to me is not just how few layups are made against them, but how few teams even attempt layups. I mean, mm-hmm. watching them, the way they defend the basket, the way they defend the paint, I mean, it's just a sight to behold. So we have to realize we're playing that team. We're not playing Aaron Toomey. We're not playing those teams from right. the past. And uh, hopefully we can focus on that and, uh, you know, give a very good competitive effort, and, and uh, you know, hopefully the ball goes in for us. Missed a prime opportunity in the national show to say you're playing at the Palestra, but it's a couple hundred miles away. <laughs> That's right. I should have. <laughs> Darn, I missed it totally. Um, yeah, so obviously this is a big opportunity, but it's obviously a big opponent. How do you, how do you approach both taking the game seriously and, and, and preparing to try and defeat Amherst? while at the same time appreciating the opportunity of being there, the opponent you're facing, and the location you're playing in? Yeah, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And I'll be honest, I, I have to give credit to my assistant, especially Julius Cook, for managing the experience part of it. I mean, he's been down there with food and making sure the hotel stuff's all taken care of. And when we get to the gym today, I think we're going to talk about it and you know, maybe pause for a second and really think about what that means. But then you have to refocus right away. And, and like I said earlier in our call, these guys have done a good job of taking a blueprint and really putting it into action. And ultimately, we said this going into the, the CSAC playoffs that we felt in a way that we were playing with house money a little bit. And we were in a situation where, hey, yeah, maybe we were supposed to be there in October. We had some adversity. We weren't in at the end of January necessarily supposed to be here. So I kind of have said to them over and over again, like, let's go make plays. Let's go have fun. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go enjoy the opportunity that we have to be in this situation because, I, you know, I don't feel any pressure in terms of, you know, beating Amherst, even though obviously that's the goal. I mean, we, we want to go out and compete with them, and we want to show that, hey, we're better than 15 and 12, and we're better than what we showed this year. And ultimately, like I said before, the, the ball is going to go in or it's not going to go in. And we're going to make plays or we're not going to make plays. Um, but they're, you know, obviously a tremendous team, tremendously talented. And, I mean, Dave Hickson obviously is a, is a legend in this uh, sport, not just at the Division three level, but certainly is one of those guys that if you had the D3 Mount Rushmore, he'd be up there. And I know that my ex-boss, Williams guy, probably hates me for saying that. <laughs> He does. He does. He shakes his head in agreement, but they, deep down he hates you for saying it. Or the other way around. One of those two. One of those two. And, and, by, and the other thing we should point out, long way from Washington College assistant coach. Uh, you, you finally got your own program of your own, which I knew you were looking for for a long time, and you made it your own, and now look where you've gotten this program. 
you got to be pretty proud. Yeah, Dave, and, and I said this to my wife the other day. You can't say enough thanks. You can't say enough thanks to all the people that have helped me professionally throughout the years because obviously it takes work and it takes luck, but it takes support. And from whether it's Rob Nugent at, at Washington College, whether it was Daryl Keckler at Drew that gave me my first chance at this level, obviously Phil Martelli at St. Joe's where I went undergrad and was a, a manager back in the glory days of Jameer Nelson, whoever it's been, and, and there's a, a list that is a mile long, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for those people. And lastly, the most important thing is for the players. I mean, the guys that, the, the guys that I inherited, the Tremel Greens, who everyone overlooked, and we were 10, 15 my first year, the Keewan Murrays and my captains like Nadir Stoops and Dom Scafidi, Marcus Thomas, guys like that who believed in me. And, you know, I told them the other night, we had about 12 or 15 alums in the locker room with us after Karen. And I just said, hey, you guys may not have a piece of the net tonight, but you have a piece of this championship. And to me, that's been the best part of this is just the, the calls and the texts, not because it's congratulations for me, but it's, it's a chance for me to say thank you back to them and thank you for just being here. It's incredible. Well, congratulations. It uh, feels like an understatement, but congratulations on making the tournament. Um, good luck against Dave Hickson and the Mammoths. I have a feeling it'll be a good game. And as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, no, absolutely, Dave. I just, uh, again, thanks for doing this for Division Three. I know you're probably tired of hearing that. I actually thought about saying maybe not saying thank you for once, just to <laughs> switch it up on you. Oh, thanks. Um, but, no, uh, <laughs> Good luck to, obviously, all the teams in the tournament. I hope that everyone's healthy, has safe travels, and, uh, again, uh, best of luck here. Well said. Hey, good. Uh, enjoy the weather, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I said I've never seen so much snow driving up uh, to a game in my life. Well, but there's going the to be snow down here, just a little bit more up there. So uh, <laughs> I hope you don't have to dig out. It's all right. We're playing in March, Dave. It, it, it doesn't matter. And there's palm trees playing somewhere. There so. you go. Take care of yourself. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. He is he is Bobby Hughes, head coach of Rosemont. They'll take on Amherst in the first round of the men's tournament at Rochester. We come back. There is plenty more ahead. You're watching Hoops Hope, presented by D3. March is upon us, and that means it's time for the D3Hoops.com whip around. Where else can you find the true madness that the Division Three basketball bracket has to offer? Our crew will get you from one big moment to another as the NCAA tournament start with a bang. All the action comes in a rush on Friday and Saturday, and Dave McHugh, Gordon Mann, and Ryan Scott will make sure you can follow all the big games. So why follow one game, or two, when you can follow 96 in just over 24 hours? Tune into the D3Hoops.com Whip Around Show on Friday at 5 Eastern, Saturday at 6, only on D3Hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists. And with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world.
big shots, big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, sorry uh, for the uh, technical glitch. Apparently, we got punted off the air there. Not sure why. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. We are back up and running. We will get everybody kind of tuned in on where we are. We are everywhere we can be and more. Uh, we will stay on top of the glitch. Don't know what happened. The funny thing is we thought we had finally solved it. Anyway, we're here. Um, so let's switch gears, talk women's basketball. First and foremost, uh, who's going to get to the championship weekend? We reached out to a number of friends and experts to get their opinions. Honestly, we were rather late in doing it. So we didn't get as much pull on the women's side, but we got a couple of guys who were willing to talk about who they think are going to be in the championship weekend. Here's their take. Hey, Pat Coleman here. Executive editor of D3Hoops.com with picks in 30 for the Division Three women's basketball bracket. Top left, I'm going with Thomas Moore. Can't not go with Thomas Moore. Bottom left, going with Tufts. Top right, I'm going to take St. Thomas. Bottom right, I'm going with Bowden. And I'm going to take Thomas Moore to win it all, take this championship, and go home. That's my picks in less than 30. I still have five seconds to fill, so I'm going to send you back to Dave and Hoopsville. Good evening, everyone. I'm Tim Calderwood. I vote in the men's top 25 and on the SID at Benedictine University in Lyle, Illinois, who played in Salem on the men's side back in 2016. Dave McHugh has asked us for predictions in this year's Division III tournament, so let's take a look at the women's bracket, where I've had some familiarity, called a few national championship games with Gordon Mann and the D3 Hoops crew back a few years. There are a lot of very even teams with the potential for some dynamic matchups. And you can look no further than my first pick to reach Salem this year, Thomas Moore, who can meet a fellow top five team in the second round. The second round, a top five matchup with Trine. How about that? Thomas Moore will be tested as they have been all year, gallivanting about the country, but that's nothing new. And I think the Saints emerge in that bracket. I do also think it's going to be another good year for the NESCAC. The conference has clearly established itself as the best in Division Three, with three top 10 programs consistently so I'm also going to take Tufts, Bowden, and Amherst although all three of those programs will face significant tests perhaps even on the road but then again who doesn't in tournament play. 
As it relates to Salem, I think Tufts can end Thomas More's stay in Division Three, and Bowden wins the meeting with Amherst in just the second meeting of the season between those two teams, which sets you up for the All-NESCAC final. And I don't really know why. I can't give you a solid reason necessarily, but I just feel that sitting third behind Amherst and Bowden all year will be a little bit of some added extra motivation for Tufts. Plus, the Jumbos went on an extremely impressive run in the NESCAC tournament, including wins over both Amherst and Bowden on the road, nonetheless, in back-to-back -back days. But both regular season losses for Tufts also came to those two teams, so who knows? And, of course, you can throw it all out the window in March, but I'll take the Jumbos. Grab a seat. It's time for the fun to begin. Hey, Pat Coleman here. Oops, started Pat over again. I am sitting, and thank you very much, gentlemen, for that. I appreciate it. So there you go. There are their predictions. I don't really have any good predictions for you. Uh, I think it's going to be a great tournament. I think Thomas Moore getting to the championship weekend is certainly a, a, a solid bet. I, I am not in the Amherst camp. I don't think they can get that far, um, though I think it'll make it fun. In the lower right, uh, I kind of like Tufts as well. I think they got well positioned there, and I like Bowden, but I just don't know if uh, two NESCAC teams I can see there. I just don't see three, but it'll be a fun tournament to watch. Nonetheless, I think there's going to be at least one or two dark horses, though, that get to Salem. Speaking of women, one of the teams not mentioned in there, but certainly is one you can't um, look over, as it were, would be the Hope Women's Basketball Program. Brian Morehouse has a juggernaut of a team once again because, well, that's what Brian Morehouse does. But it's a young team. It's a surprisingly young team this season, one that certainly caught our attention there in uh, Holland. So in another WBCA Center Court segment, because Brian's also very much involved in the WBCA, we talked to him about the tournament, the season, who their opponent is this weekend, and most importantly, what his work is doing in the WBCA that has also gotten him, as a result, helped get the All-Star game a part of the schedule. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Hope Women's Basketball Program. It is Brian Morehouse. And, sir, thanks for, for coming on and, and joining us here on the WBCA Center Court. Always a pleasure to be on with you. I appreciate you finding time today, as we mentioned in a pre-recorded segment, as you guys are just a wee bit busy getting ready for for tournament action this weekend. Yeah, a little bit of a road trip uh, heading to Iowa, 455 miles from Holland, Michigan, <laughs> and uh, on a bus. And I appreciate uh, you being able to do the interview earlier in the day uh, due to our practice schedule. No, I appreciate it. I know these days are busy. For everyone. Yeah, you're on your way to Wartburg or in Wartburg. Uh, you'll be taking on Wheaton in the first round. You guys have had a, a pretty interesting season. It's been you and Trine on top of the conference in a, in a good old-fashioned battle. How is your team uh, feeling going into this? Good. Uh, I think that we've improved as the season's gone along. Uh, we played a really good Thomas Moore team and, and lost uh, earlier in the season. Had some, I think, really big wins at Oglethorpe against Oshkosh um, and, uh, you know, played a really, really good, I think, league season and, uh, you know, trying to beat us up pretty good at home when we were early in our season, and then I think we got better and uh, took them to a very, very tight game at their place in the regular season and then obviously a, a heartbreaker and double overtime in the league tournament, but uh, really excited that we're given a new life and we're in the national tournament and, uh you know, we know that the road is going to be incredibly tough. Uh, even our first weekend pod is unbelievable. When you look at, you know, my 20-some years in Division three basketball, it's uh, 
they keep getting harder and harder every year because the talent gets uh, better and better. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a moment. But, yeah, Trine had your number this year, obviously, in all three, but they were tough games. And the only other loss you had was Thomas Moore, obviously one of the better teams in the country. So you guys are up there. You had you held your own outside of that. Um, what what has made this team so good this season despite those four blemishes? Yeah, I, you know, I think the, the best thing about this team is that we're fairly young and we have uh, improved as the season's gone along. We've had to tweak a little bit of our coaching um, just to meet this team's needs and um, talents. And it's been a, a challenge to our coaching staff uh, to adjust. And I think the, the sign of good assistant coaches are ones that encourage the head coach to not be stuck in their ways, but uh, to meet our team where we're at. So that's been a big challenge, but it's also been very rewarding. Obviously, you guys have always high expectations. I assume being in the tournament at this point has lived up to those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, the goal at the start of the year is to, to win preseason tournaments, uh, to win, you know, do well in your non-league, win the league, which we, which we didn't do. But I, I think that we played very well in our league, to be honest with you. And um, you know, Stein played better than us uh, at their place in the last five minutes of the game. And, and got us so that uh, you know we didn't get to a coin flip for who hosted the league tournament. And uh, you know I think that we, we we continue to improve. And the goal is always to get in the national tournament and um, you know just see how good we are. And uh, some years you suddenly move on to the next round. Some years you you get beat and you're suddenly done. But you need to have that opportunity to help define your season. This team is young. Is the scary part for everybody. You've got one senior. Granted, it is Francesca. Um, Buchanan, who's one of the better players in the country, 14.5 points a game, nearly seven rebounds a game, two assists a game. She's certainly the catalyst of this program, but it is an amazingly young team beyond that. This is a great learning experience for this team. This is a great learning experience for the head coach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A lot of teachable moments as the season goes along, and uh, great women in our program that – I've been sponges all season long, and uh, it's been exciting. It's been roller coastery at times, but uh, it, it has been a season of growth, and that's always rewarding as a coach, and I, I feel that's really rewarding as a player as well. I know the, the, the focus is on Wheaton at least today or for Friday and potentially beyond that other teams, but when you do look to the future and know how much youth is coming back to this team, you got to be pretty – Pretty uh, happy about what the future has for this program. Yes, uh, without a doubt. But, you know, with Frankie being a, a senior and, you know, mm-hmm. 15 points a game and, um, you know, seven rebounds a game and only 23, 24 minutes a game, you know, because we, we're not just going to play her for stats. You know, we're, mm-hmm. when, we, when we've got the game in hand, we're going to play our younger kids. And uh, we will miss her greatly and, and the lessons that she's brought to us. But I also think our younger players have learned a ton from being around her and, just how to get better and, and how to approach practice. And she has been just an unbelievable leader in our program, not just as a player, but as a person. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Wheaton, your first round matchup? Oh, they're good. Um, you know, they're always good. Coach Madsen has them well prepared. They're, I think they're one of the more difficult teams to guard uh, and be guarded by in the nation because of their length. I mean, 6'2, 6'2, 6'4, 5'11, 5'10 is for Division three purposes, huge. I mean, maybe an Amherst has that size, maybe a Bowden um, and Tufts, but I mean, that is a lot of length. 
Um, and, and they just run such great motion offense. You, you, it's almost impossible to take them out of what they're doing. You just have to try to have a hand up when they shoot it, um, do the best you can on their center, uh, and she is just an absolute load. She is so talented, left-handed. Uh, they're, they're really, really good. It's, uh, I would say it's one of the most difficult first-round matchups I've ever had in the NCAA tournament, if not the most difficult. Yeah, it certainly is interesting because you look around the bracket a bit and there's a lot of first-round uh, tough matchups, but it almost feels like women's basketball is starting to get a little bit deeper in recent years. Oh, it's a lot deeper. It's a lot deeper. Uh, you know, we used to come out and we'd just plan on, if you had a pretty good season, uh, your first-round matchup would be, eh, you know, yeah. if, we play, if we play really poorly, we might lose this. But eh, we're probably playing in the second round. You know, and now it's like battle. It's, you, you better be spot on in game game one from the tip or else you're going to go home. And that makes it more exciting. Uh, I think it makes our, our game better, um, the game of women's basketball. And uh, it, I think it's a real a real uptick uh, for the game of women's basketball in particular division three. Speaking of the game so well, you know it well, and this is the WBCA center court. You're now a member of the board on the WBCA, a big role for you. What what has that brought to, for you, and, and how have you enjoyed this so far? Oh, it's been great. The people uh, I'm on the board with have been amazing. Uh, they, they've just been so, so much wisdom, so much passion for the game of women's basketball, so much passion to grow uh, the game that we have into bigger and better things, and, uh, and, and a passion to infuse not only um, – Division One, but I just witnessed the passion for all the levels: Division Two, Division Three, NAI, high school. Uh, this isn't just about Division One, and uh, it is so gratifying to be on that board and and just watch and be around the Division One coaches and, and Division Two coaches that I'm with, and just see their passion for the game and not just their level. And you've gone in with a bang because you've been integral in making sure there's now an all-star game as part of the championship weekend in women's basketball. How'd that all come about? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing how the game just connects different people. Uh, I, this is something that I felt for a long time um, is an important part. It's been a big part of uh, the men's game on their final four weekend, the all-star game. Uh, I think it's great to showcase talent from around the nation and, um, I, I met uh, a man uh, three years ago, Josh Erickson, with Beyond Sports Travel. He, um, he runs team trips. Uh, so, like, Gonzaga might go to Costa Rica or something like that mm-hmm. for, a, for a team trip. Or he also runs individual trips for uh, college players to go play in Europe or Costa Rica. And, um, so he asked me to coach him on, on that trip one year, and, and I went back the following year, and we formed a, a really cool relationship with he and his family. And, uh, just an amazing gentleman who is involved in, and went to a Division III, uh, had a Division II experience himself, has coached extensively uh, from international teams, and just shares a passion for um, the game of basketball. And, uh, when I went on the board, uh, I just mentioned to Pat Manning, who I, I formed a relationship with, that you know, I've always wanted this all-star game. She said, me too. And she said, but you know, the problem always is, you know, who think don't pay for themselves. And I said, there's this person who I think has a passion for the game. And I said, I think he would be supportive of the women's game. And uh, I was able to connect with Josh and connect with 
uh, Dr. Pat, and through the WBCA and some other people, uh, you know, we pulled this thing together with the help of some really, really influential uh, people throughout Division Three, and um, we're making it happen. And it's uh, just to watch the itinerary come together and the invites uh, starting to go out. It's really an exciting time. What's yeah? I was going to say, what's the reaction been? I mean, obviously, you have a senior who. Barring you guys aren't in the uh, weekend yourself, could easily be playing in this game. What's her reaction been, if she's even aware of it? What have other coaches or other players reacted to, or have you heard? Yeah, it's been um, accepted, and, and people are very excited about it. Uh, when I when I talked to a couple of different people, uh, student-athletes that are invited, they said, what? what? That, that's a thing? Like, <laughs> that's a possibility? Uh Wow, that's amazing. That what a great potential experience for my student athletes. How did that happen? We're able to tell the story a little bit about um, Pat Manning and, and Beyond Sports, and uh, you know the the help of the uh, WBCA and the huge support of the WBCA and Daniel Donahue. Um, it's been uh, really cool. When I when I brought it up to Frankie and told her that you know she was potentially one of the people that could be invited, was she interested? Um, she thought about it. She said, give me 24 hours. She had to check it out with her parents a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she came back and she said, I'm in. She goes, what a cool thing to be around all those great players. Uh, she said, now don't get me wrong. I want to be playing that weekend <laughs> with my team, with yeah. Hope College. I know. Um, it sounds like a cool experience. So I, that's been sort of the, the, the reaction of all the coaches and players that I've talked to. One of just, hey, this is a really cool thing for the game of Division Three women's basketball. This puts us on an even playing field with the men, and I think that our our women feel very valued because this is happening. And, of course, it's taking place in Salem, who's really familiar with all of this, and making the championship weekend bigger than it should be or bigger than it seems is probably a better way of saying it. What's been, what's been the reaction? Because obviously you're involved with them now with this All-Star game coming to town. Yeah, they've been incredibly helpful. Um, you know, both uh, the local colleges and, and the people that are oversighting uh, the Final Four weekend, um, and their wisdom has been really helpful that they bring from the men's game, right? So they've had the men's all-star mm-hmm. game there, and they've been real helpful in just saying, you know, you don't have to do it exactly like the men did it, but here's a couple of things that went really well that you might want to think about, and uh that kind of wisdom and insight has been incredibly helpful as we uh, went about the planning. It's certainly something I know I'm looking forward to watching, um, and, and I'm looking forward, as you said, to, to players like yours reacting in that way, going, this is cool, this is a great opportunity, and it gets a chance Excuse to not- me? Well, it's just great to see these players react in that way, and you get a chance uh, to see the Final Four teams and these All-Stars. It, it just makes the weekend bigger. Yeah, it's, it becomes a celebration of Division Three women's basketball, um, which the Final Four should be anyway, and it is, but it just gives it that next oomph, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just makes it uh, a little bit more uh, special, makes the experience a little bit more unique. It brings in, I think, a few more people mm-hmm. to, to watch our Final Four, which is what it's all about, that exposure and, and that appreciation for the women's game. I'm not asking you to name names. I'm just curious. Have you guys figured out who's going to coach these All-Stars just yet? Yes. Um, a couple of legends. Uh, 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 an old uh, 
nemesis of Hope College. We played them in the Final Four. Uh, <laughs> okay. Granton, Mike Strong, man. Really? I, uh, I, I love Mike Strong. Uh, he is was an incredible piece of Hope, of uh, of Division Three basketball for such a long time, Hall of Famer, and uh, and then Pat Manning. Uh, we of as course. a board went to her, and uh, she initially said no, no, no. And we just said, you've been a driving force in the women's game. You've been a driving force as a part of this all-star committee. We want you to do this. And, uh, you know, this isn't in any way, shape, or form her promoting herself. She she turned it down. And, then, you know, Dixie Jeffers, no Pat. No Pat. I mean, you don't say no to Dixie, right? You, know, you don't so say no to no. Pat either. <laughs> no. So, um, you know, Dixie was, Pat, I, we really all feel like, you're the person that we would like to see coach one of the all-star games, which was really, uh, I thought a, a cool thing. And um, Pat's going to do a great job with it. And we're super excited that Mike's going to be a part of this. Just let Pat know it's an exhibition game. Okay. <laughs> she might, she might think it's her team. <laughs> you know, I know one thing between Pat and Mike, they care who wins. Oh I'm yes! I'm telling you what, like it is going to be game on. <laughs> yes. And I, 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 the first time Mike stands up and starts getting after the referees, I'm going to feel <laughs> even more at home because I'm going to be loving that there from is. from the moment he stands up and starts, you know, saying, you know, listen, you got it, you got it, that uh, you got to call that man, you got you got you got to call that, you know. This isn't some exhibition. This is a game. <laughs> I feel bad know? for the officials, man. They're going to go yeah. into that thinking, oh, this is going to be a fun game. I'll make calls when I need to. And wait, you want me to call that? <laughs> oh, I, and how, how, what two great representatives for the women's yeah. game, Pat and Mike, are, they're fantastic. That's awesome. Brian, I appreciate the time. Obviously, you guys have more important things to do, like get ready for Wheaton, but I enjoy the chat as always with you. Uh, great to catch up with you a few weeks ago at your house as well. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, Division Three basketball is in a great place right now, and, and the women's game of basketball is in a great place. Uh, we, uh, we have more talent than ever in the women's game, and uh, in particular, Division Three, I think, has grown greatly. And um, Get out, support the national tournament, watch games. There are some amazing, amazing games that are going to take place in round one all the way to the national championship game. So if you like basketball, get out and support a game. Well said, sir. Take care of yourself. Good luck this weekend. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Anytime. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Brian Morehouse joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline as part of the WBCA Center Court segment. Of course, their team taking on Wheaton in the first round. Stay with us on Hoopsville. Plenty more as we preview the championship tournaments here on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA NABC Studios. More after this. Big shots. Big dunks. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum Arena in Fort Wayne. With his third triple. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and secure your seats today. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. 
being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle. And, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. March is upon us, and that means it's time for the D3Hoops.com Whip Around. Where else can you find the true madness that the Division Three basketball bracket has to offer? Our crew will get you from one big moment to another as the NCAA tournaments start with a bang. All the action comes in a rush on Friday and Saturday, and Dave McHugh, Gordon Mann, and Ryan Scott will make sure you can follow all the big games. So why follow one game, or two, when you can follow 96 in just over 24 hours? Tune into the D3Hoops.com Whip Around Show on Friday at 5 Eastern, Saturday at 6, only on D3Hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue on this Thursday evening. Again, te technical glitches knocked us off the air slightly earlier. But we're back up and running smoothly. Continuing with the women's theme, one of the other teams keeping an eye on is the Wisconsin Oshkosh Titans returning to the NCAA tournament for the first time, in, or after missing a last year, we should say. They're at home this weekend with Pomona Pitzer on their docket. Of course, Loris and DePaul on the other side of things. I caught up with Brad Fisher earlier today to talk about just how challenging things are for his squad and, and whether he thinks they have a chance at a championship. Also, what's so unique about this year? We talked earlier today, as I mentioned. We'll try that again. Apparently didn't have the audio queued up. Sorry about that, folks. We'll get that up and running. Uh, of course, Oshkosh home means the men's team was unable to be home this weekend due to the balancing of um, odd and even years. Women have priority in the first weekend in odd-numbered years. Next weekend, the men would have that priority. Not sure if that's going to be a factor in this deal or not this season, but we'll see as... Uh, Obviously, both teams have to get there to make it a factor. But again, earlier today, talked to Brad Fisher about all of this. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Oshkosh Titans women's basketball team, Brad Fisher. And coach, as always, thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Busy week, but yeah. uh, we're getting excited. It's This turns into a long week, so we're ready to go. Yeah, well, at least you're home. 
yeah, that, that's got to sure. be an advantage. Uh, at 24 and three, you guys certainly earned it. Um, you're on a roll here, though you've lost two games since the turn of the year. No surprise, though, in conference. So Whitewater certainly seemed to have your number, and though you returned the favor awfully nicely in the championship game. Yeah, we, um, you know, it was kind of the only blemish on our schedule. Obviously, it was three losses. Um, you know, there's not a lot of real down moments, but uh, we played two one-possession games with them. You know, we we lost by two here, lost in overtime there, and you know, felt like the combination of us not playing our best and them doing a good job of of you know taking some things away that we like to do. Um, you know, in the back of our minds, we were kind of hoping for another chance at it, and you know, obviously that happened last Sunday, and we were able to play much better, and um, you know. I think kind of help erase some of the, the demons of the first two losses. But um, regardless, you know, we've had a great season, a season that I'm not sure we expected to, to be in this position. And now we're just trying to have fun with it and hopefully take advantage of being at home. You were 21-6 and six last season, 9-5 and five in the conference, kind of a step back from the year before. Uh, we all knew it was going to be a battle in the conference, but it felt like it didn't break out like we all thought it would. I mean, to see Stevens point at the bottom of the rankings – was a little bit of a surprise. Seal Claire down at 500 seemed a little bit of a surprise. You know, Whitewater competitive, certainly. Did this season break out in the WIAC like everyone thought it would, or was it very different? Um, a little both, I think. I, I, I thought... Um, you know, I really thought the top three, you know, not knowing what we would have, losing some people, I really thought the top three around us were probably going to be Whitewater, Eau Claire, and Lacrosse. Um, you know, Eau Claire returned everybody, and then, you know, their best player tore ACL right away in, mm-hmm. in October. So I think that changed what their season could be. They still got off to a great start, and I think kind of just ran out of gas because they were, they were so shorthanded and dealt with so many injuries. Um, you know, we thought Lacrosse was going to be good, and they were. Um, we thought Whitewater would be really good. Um, they played a great non-conference schedule and then got off to kind of a slow start in the league and, and then went on a, a tear kind of starting with, with beating us. So, um, you know, I thought the top, in a way, kind of played out again. Eau Claire's injury was was kind of the, the wild card that I think opened things up for everyone else. I mean, we were picked for third, and, you know, I thought that was probably right, even though we haven't finished that low since, since we've been here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a dogfight and, and stout, I think it was better than a lot of people thought um, with a new coach, but mm-hmm. um, you know they were in and, and really played a big factor in us winning it with a couple of the wins that they yeah. got. So, um, so I thought the league depth-wise was was strong, and you know, and Stevens Point was really young. Um, River Falls had a coaching change, so there was just a lot of circumstances. I thought obviously Megan at Platteville, those yeah. guys went through so much with with her situation. So you know, everyone had kind of their own unique story this year. So it, it ended up you know working out in our favor where we played really well, really consistent over the course of the year. And, um, you know, we weren't probably expected to win it and being picked third. So for us to be able to win it by two games, um, you know, obviously it was, it was a really good year for us. And and wins over Loris and Wheaton, uh, certainly. And and yes, a loss to hope, but a game against hope, those all come back and look so much better now after the fact, because of how those teams ended up performing this year. Yeah, and we were we were really weak with our schedule last year, and we knew it going in. And we actually didn't even fill our schedule. We could, we couldn't find a, an eleventh yeah. game, and having to fill eleven is so difficult in our league, especially with us being a little bit further north. So, you know, we knew coming into the year, Loris and Wheaton were going to be really good. We got hope in that tournament in Ohio. So, you know, we felt good about how we were going to be able to test ourselves this year compared to last year. And, um, you know, we had brought in a lot of new people, a lot of new freshmen. So there was some uncertainty with what we were capable of, knowing we we're going to be playing. 
tougher schedule. But winning some of those games early really built a lot of confidence. And by the time we got to the league, having played, you know, those teams that are that are really doing well in other leagues, we felt like, hey, you know, we've played teams as good as what we might see here in the conference. So there's no reason why, you know, going to Wheaton and winning can't be like going to lacrosse or Whitewater and, and trying to win. So um, I thought that prepared us really well. And, and our kids were just so consistent this year and so balanced. We had we had no star. We had 10 different leading scorers in, in our games. And um, I think that, that mentality and that unselfishness really paid off. It's interesting. You have a mixture of, of, of leader, uh, not leadership, but of experience in youth when you look at your stats. And there's a bunch of things that jump out, but I'll start with the fact that the top six scores, four of our seniors – Two of them are sophomores, and it's a 2-2-2 breakdown. So two seniors leading the way in Samuels and Schneider, then two sophomores in Arnson and Polf, uh, Porath, and then Pustina and Rabis, two seniors again. It, you, you, it's that kind of nice mixture you guys have for a team that didn't know what you had. You kind of have a little of both. Yeah, it was, you know, we were really balanced. Um, you know, we, we don't have a leading score or we didn't have mm-hmm. anyone average 10 points a game, which mm-hmm. t- for a conference champion, I think they figured out here that the last time that happened, the WIAC was, was in the early 2000s, you wow. know, 15, 15 to 20 years ago. So, um, so we had to rely on, on someone different every night. The nice part for a coach was we, we had really a 12 player rotation. So, you know, you just needed six or seven of them to play well on a given night. And if someone's not playing well or it's not a good matchup, there was another place to go so you know in that respect I think you know between the coaches and the players we were able to push the right buttons on a given night with a given matchup and um, you know I, I think it leaves us some some ceiling for the future you know when we do lose this good group that we've got some girls that have stepped up and played in big games but um, you know that balance and, and that you know whose night is it mentality is I think kind of helped us stay focused and everyone understanding that there's an opportunity most nights but we also need you to play well and do your job because you know if you have a rough night um, you know we've got someone else that's going to hopefully jump in and and, and step in for you so um, I think that that piece across our our program um, over the course of this year more than any season that we've had um, really paid off and I think it kept our our mentality you know at the right spot where we just felt like we've got a good chance because we've got enough good players in the locker room where if things aren't going well we can figure it out yeah again no nobody in double figures uh, Samuels at 9.8 8.8 for Schneider but you're a team that averages 67 points a game while holding your opponents to 48 you get a lot of people involved and and that's got to make it tough for opponents because they can't key on one person necessarily. Everybody's got a a role and everybody's going to have a moment. Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of a coach's dream. It just never turns out that way. You know, usually <laughs> you've got you've got one or two girls that you need to score fifteen a night to to try to win games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in some respects, it's a, it's a, it was a little scary at times because you get to the end of the game and and you're sometimes you're not quite sure whose number to call. Sure, um, but if everyone's got six and the other team's trying to figure out who to guard, um, it turns into, I think more of a nightmare for them trying to figure things out. I know when we played, I believe stout the first time our top scores had 10, 10, nine, nine, eight, eight, seven, seven, and six, six. We scored 80, 80 ish. And you know, 10 girls had between six and 10. And, you know, I mean, it'll probably never happening in a box score, but it was, it was kind of the best, I think representation of what this team was and, and what this team is. 
is. And, you know, I hope that that depth and that, that balance pays off this weekend because we've got some really good teams coming to call here, and um, it's going to be a bloodbath to try to get out of it. We'll talk about that in a moment. Another thing that jumps out at me, you're out-rebounding your opponents by seven. You're shooting 43% to an opponent's 35.5. You're shooting beyond the arc at 31% to to an opponent's 25%. The other thing that jumps out is defensively, again, with that 48 points, you guys are seemingly starting there. Yeah, well, there was a, a long stretch here where we weren't letting teams get to 50, and, and the season started, we played Loris the first night here, and I knew they were going to be good, and, and they've got a really high-scoring, high-octane, they really shoot it, um, but it was 83-75, and we haven't given up 75 points yeah. here maybe once in my career when we played North Central when they were on the system, and um, so after the first night, you know, we kind of looked at each other like, oh boy, you know, are we going to be able to guard this year, and mm-hmm. you know, that we went on a run where we just didn't let teams get to 50 and and this team started to take really really good pride in in getting stops and you know second time through the conference we weren't quite as strong i think people made adjustments but um we were really good again last weekend with stout and and whitewater and you know held whitewater to 40 points in the in the conference final and um you know we've we've hung our hat on it we really feel like defense travels and if you're going to win on the road you've got to be able to defend so you know i credit our girls for you know not always worrying about about being flashy, but but trying to be efficient, and you know our defense is, has kind of been our calling card, and it's going to be interesting with Pomona, who scores a lot yeah. and and shoots the three a lot. How that contrasts with styles, and it's really nice to play someone we've never seen before too, because you know we're so used to preparing for the same teams all the time. So um, it'll be fun tomorrow night to see how a team that flies around and shoots a lot of threes uh, matches up with us, who who kind of wants to grind it out and, and make possessions a little bit tougher. Yeah, I was going to ask how you how do you make of what do you make of Pomona Pitzer out of the Skyac, you know, some teams go out there to play, you know, Skyac teams, but not a lot. They certainly don't come yeah. east all that often. You've got them, of course, interestingly enough, on the other side, you've got Loris and DePaul and two beasts waiting. But what do you make of Pomona and what what do you what do you see that I don't I'm not asking for X's and O's. I know you're not going to give anything away, but what do you see in them that you think you guys have or or may cha- be challenged with? Yeah, they're really interesting. I mean, they've they're down to what appears to be an eight-player rotation. I think they had an injury with one of their seniors, who you know looks to be one of their better players. Uh, but six of those eight are freshmen, so yeah. uh, they've got a you know I think they've got a unique approach. Probably, I would assume they're coming in kind of feeling like they've got nothing to lose with you know their futures for those kids and for them to have the year they've had. You know, and we don't have a lot of common opponents to look at. You know, lacrosse played Chapman and another team out there, so you kind of look at scores but again matchups and and how those things relate you know by this time of year don't don't really come into play so um, you know they shoot the three really well they're one of the best shooting teams percentage wise that we've seen um, you know they run a lot of sets they they really space the floor out and, and try to try to attack you with the dribble so um, you know we obviously play enough teams that do combinations of those things um, this will be a little bit interesting um, you know I, I'm curious to see what they wear for jackets and um, how they handle <laughs> <laughs> how they handle all the snow we've gotten here yeah. over the last month. And, and I know they flew into Madison last night and, and we're busting up here today. So um, I, I just get a kick out of, of this tournament and, and, you know, allowing that I was at division two and you end up playing in the tournament, you play 
the base of the same teams in the mm-hmm. region and, and out split region. So, you know, I appreciate the committee sending us someone we've we've never seen and probably will never see again and, and just getting that contrast of styles. And even with Loris and DePaul, we've got four teams from four different regions. And, yeah. you know, we have familiarity with both of them having played them in recent years. But I just think it's nice that, that you can spread the country out a little bit and get to see different styles of basketball that, um, you know, you don't always get to during the regular season. I agree with you. You played the last four at home, five of the last six, uh, six of the last nine, I think it is, at home. Obviously, home is important. How important, though, for this weekend? I mean, I think it's huge. The two times that we've got through the Sweet 16 that I've been here, we were at home both times. And, um, you know, I just think being able to keep your own your own routine and it gives coaches a little more time to do their scouting report. And, um, you know, we're in the same classroom to watch film. And I, I do think all those things matter, um, you know, and, and them having to, to get in a hotel and quick turnarounds and, mm-hmm. you know, going back and forth to eat and things like that. There's just a lot of little things. You know, I think our men's team would say the opposite. They've enjoyed going <laughs> on the road and that, and that challenge of it. Um, but we've seen our best success here and we played so many on the road to start the year. We have such a hard time getting teams for the non-conference at home. Um, that we end up, you know, getting front loaded with road games. So it's been nice for our girls to be able to keep being able to go to class and with hosting the conference tournament. Now we haven't been on the road since mm-hmm. the beginning of February. So I think we've been able to settle in and, and we've played well here and we're obviously, you know, everyone comes into the NCAA tournament feeling like they're playing well, I think. So, um, you know, we feel good being at home and, and hopefully having a good crowd here and, and having four really good teams that um, I think all probably feel like they've got a chance to come out of it this weekend. Sure. Uh, I think your men will then be uh, happy that you took their hosting opportunity by uh, <laughs> being the odd-numbered year. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for Matt because again, we've we've seen our success come from home, and I felt bad for him. This was you know the year where we both were in that position, but um, it's a good problem to have. Those are high rent problems when you're yeah. fighting over hosting NCAA tournaments. So I know they're happy for us, and I know you know our girls are excited to see how they do, and we're big followers of them out to Virginia last year. And we you know we both feel like we've got the pieces to be able to make a run. Sure. Well, thanks for the time. I appreciate it uh, and, and look forward to seeing how the weekend transpires. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, no, I just, again, appreciate you guys doing the show. And um, one of the things about playing tomorrow night is I don't get to sit and watch your, your wraparound coverage. I think that's a, a really cool feature that, you know, I hope people, you know, take advantage of if there's not a game locally. But uh, I think people forget how hard it is to get the NCAA tournament sometimes. And for teams that go a lot, I think it gets taken for granted. So, um, you know, we missed out last year. You guys had us in. Rightfully, you had us in. Um, <laughs> and we didn't make it. So to be back in it, um, you know, our team is just really appreciative this year, and I hope people around the country that follow D3 take advantage of watching you guys tomorrow night because I just think it's it's a really special tournament that when you see your name up on the board, um, you know, it's something you never forget. So, you know, we're happy to be in it, and we appreciate you let our let me talk about our program. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on and talking, too. Is take care of yourself. Good luck this weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Appreciate it, Dave. Thank you. He is Brad Fisher joining us from Wisconsin Oshkosh. Again, in a pre-taped interview, they are 24-3 overall. They will take on Pomona Pitzer in the first round. And again, Loris and DePaul in the other matchup. When we come back, we'll switch gears and we'll talk about a Texas-Dallas team who's hanging out in Walla Walla, Washington, getting ready to play their game. That plus we have our men's selections, or, or I should say picks, from our friends and experts. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we get back.
We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. March is upon us, and that means it's time for the D3Hoops.com Whip Around. Where else can you find the true madness that the Division III basketball bracket has to offer? Our crew will get you from one big moment to another as the NCAA tournaments start with a bang. All the action comes in a rush on Friday and Saturday, and Dave McHugh, Gordon Mann, and Ryan Scott will make sure you can follow all the big games. So why follow one game, or two, when you can follow 96 in just over 24 hours? Tune into the D3Hoops.com Whip Around show on Friday at 5 Eastern, Saturday at 6, only on D3Hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Again, sorry for the technical glitches that apparently have plagued us tonight. Honestly, we didn't kind of get this show rolling with our computers as we normally would, and so we were probably begging for it tonight. Uh, it is what it is. We will make do, and uh, at least we're on the air now. Uh, don't forget, Whip Around will be on the air from here, Tournament Central, tomorrow. We hope you'll take advantage of it and join us, talk to, about Division Three basketball. Um, and, and see Division Three basketball, for lack of a better description. We will be bringing you everything from around the country, from Maine to Washington, and everywhere in between, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Uh, switching back gears, men's basketball, one of the teams that, uh, that you know, we, I've been keeping an eye on all season, but to be blunt, there was so much to talk about women's basketball in Texas, I didn't do enough to jump into the men's basketball conversation. One of the teams we keep an eye on was Texas-Dallas. Terry Butterfield's team was certainly playing well in the ASC, which was chock-a-block with good teams this season. They rose to the top. They cut down the nets, and now they're in Walla Walla, Washington to figure out how they're going to get on to the second weekend. Who will they face? How will they prepare? And what do they think of Walla Walla, Washington? Well, joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the aforementioned head coach, Terry Butterfield. Coach, thanks as always for joining us. I appreciate it. 
Hey, Dave, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, th- absolutely. I uh, appreciate you uh, considering it, considering you uh, not your prototypical trip. What's interesting, though, is you know these teams from up in that neck of the woods. You played the other wit uh, earlier this season at your <laughs> place. It seems apropos that they sent you to Northwest uh, to the northwest part of the country uh, for this weekend, wasn't it? Well, maybe there's some irony in that. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, we we actually played uh, Whitworth down in uh, uh, San Antonio at Trinity University, yeah. but we were right there in state. And I got to tell you, it was a lot warmer in San Antonio than it is in Walla Walla, <laughs> Washington, right now. Yeah, I heard there was a, a bit of a winter, a little bit of winter weather this year. Yeah, and it's still on us here. Uh, <laughs> in fact. Uh, uh, we went out uh, and found the biggest snowbank we could find, and we gathered everybody up, and we put casts and scarves on and all that stuff, and we took us a picture. Excellent. So, uh, yeah. So, in other yeah. words, you're taking full advantage of the opportunity that that you find in front of you by uh, enjoying the trip to its fullest. Uh, you, you know, Dave, the this season is a long, long grind, and. Uh, these kids, they just work their tails off. Uh, you know that from hearing that from other coaches around the country. They uh, they start this thing very early in the year. They work out on their own. Uh, they're they're six months into this thing. Uh, you got to embrace the moment, I think. And uh, we're seeing a part of the country we've never seen before, uh, played in before. It's a, it's a beautiful area. Whitman's a beautiful school. Uh, surrounded by mountains, uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna embrace the moment. We we know why we're here and why we came out here, but uh, uh, nothing can happen till five thirty tomorrow evening, and uh, <laughs> so we're gonna enjoy the we're gonna enjoy the things we can enjoy. You'll take on Pomona Pitzer then that game at Whitman, of course. Whitman taking on the other uh, Texas team, Texas Lutheran out there. Um, again, let's we'll we'll get to what's taking place this weekend in a moment. Let's backtrack a little bit. Four losses, three of them coming all before December eighth. Though that last, that third loss coming to Mary Harden Baylor, which was a uh, two games and three game, two losses and three games against Howard Payne and Harden, um, Mary Harden ba- uh, Baylor, and of course you lost the second game of the season against Southwestern. I'll be honest, I saw that and I kind of went, okay, you know they're going to take their lumps this year. They're going to be a good team, but you know probably don't need to uh, focus on the Comets in a in a major way. Um, but then since then, you've only lost one. You guys kind of seem to find yourselves, as it were. The only loss being on the front end of a back-and-back back against a home-and-home home against Louisiana College. Uh, you've won, what is it, nine straight since and come rolling into this tournament after a, a dominating win over Harden-Simmons. Tell me what's the difference between that opening seven, eight-game stretch and what what the comments have done since. Well, I think we've had a lot of growth. I think uh... – you know, most most people feel like their teams grow throughout the year. Uh, we got a we have a fairly young team. Uh, we've got some experienced players, but we don't have a senior on our ball club. So uh, uh, we we added a couple of pieces in the off season. I think it uh, early on uh, uh, we we didn't play at the level we thought we were capable of playing at. But uh, I think that once we really hit the the conference full go, uh, our guys. Just saw saw an opportunity. We we knew that the conference tournament would be hosted on the in the eastern division of our of our uh, overall conference, and that meant that we had a shot at that. And uh, we sort of made that a little bit of an issue. But I just think our guys came together in a good way. Uh, we've been uh, after them 
uh, daily about playing great defense and rebounding the ball. And I think that some of those ideas took hold as we moved along in the season. But as you know, Dave, it's all about the kids. Uh, mm-hmm. When you have good kids who are also good basketball players, good things can happen. And it's amazing when kids put their minds to something and uh, gather up what they're capable of doing. Um, again, rolling along here, you guys had an interesting conference. You finished, uh, well, technically a game and a half up on Laterno. Um, yeah. And you had Marion Parton, Baylor, Harden Simmons, and Cordia, Texas on the other side who all had pretty good seasons. Harden, Marion Baylor was 21-6 and six overall. Really good. You kind of beat yourselves really up a little bit. And when a lot of you aren't doing a lot of non-conference improvement, and I know I've talked to Ken DeWeese about that frustration, it's hard to get that yeah. extra team in. Does that feel then that you've got the mantle of the ASC on your shoulders and you don't need need to represent, but you'd like to represent, if that makes any sense? Oh, without a doubt. You know, uh, I'm very proud of our conference. Uh, we've got some great teams mm-hmm. and just some great individual players in our conference. And, you know, I just feel like we're in a little bit of a pickle out here in Texas because, uh, you know, we play a lot of league games because we have to maximize our conference schedule because uh, it's tough for us to travel around the country unless you have a huge budget. Yeah. You know, you can't go play everybody in the East and the Northeast and, and, and do these things. It takes a lot of money to do that. So we play a lot of league games, and our strength of schedule uh, a lot of times comes back to the middle because we are playing so many league games. But i got to tell you, having uh, been around the country, having been in the ODAC years ago, uh, this is a really talented, competitive conference. So uh, we do beat each other up, and it frustrates me that we don't get a second team in all the time because I think we've got some very competitive teams. And I think, Dave, if you do some research and, it, and look at how AFC teams do in the NCAA tournament – I think you'll find some pretty good moments there for our conference. I'm not so, uh, willing to go that far back. I'm sorry. I can't do that kind of work. Why Why, why would I do that, Terry? <laughs> well, uh, I'm saying now, I, I can go that far back. <laughs> hey, but, listen, uh, you don't have to go that far back because let's remember here, um, Mary Harden-Baylor, 2013, got a first-round bye because of location, <laughs> not any other yeah. reason. Second weekend yeah. played Concordia, Texas, obviously a Texas game. And then the third weekend, essentially the Sweet 16, Went out to uh, went out to Whitworth, and, and got yep. a victory there. And what what ended yep. up kind of spurring them all the way to Atlanta for the championship game. Um, we know that there's good teams out of the ASC, and I don't want to distract from the weekend currently. But let me ask you one more question about that scheduling side: is is there talk enough in the ASC to say, listen, we need to maybe pare down how many games we're playing in this conference, free up some more non-conference games? and either entice teams to come to you, like Whitworth came to Texas at least and you got to play them, or find a way in the budget to get elsewhere, whether it's as grandiose as the D3 Hoops Classic in, in Vegas or you go up into other parts of the country to some events. Has there been serious conversations about that to help get a second or even a third team into the tournament? You know, that's always, Dave, an ongoing discussion in our league. We meet and talk about this when we're together all the time, and uh, I, I would say that it's always a a topic with controversy surrounding it because sure. some of the outliers in our conference, you know, our, our conference extends all the way to Jackson, Mississippi, oh, yeah. Pineville, Louisiana, Clarksville, Arkansas, uh, Sol Ross State University mm-hmm. is almost down to the New Mexico uh, to the Mexico border. Yeah. So 
you know, we've got some huge travel issues in our conference. And uh, the outlier schools particularly are concerned about being able to gather up uh, a, Div- a Division three schedule. Sure. And, uh, you know, like most schools, uh, people are limited by uh, resources and funds. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, we're being told constantly, you got to play D3 games, got to play D3 games. Well, you know, the only way to raise money sometimes for uh, a smaller school without the funds is to go play D1s. And yeah. make a paycheck that way, get yeah. a guarantee. So yes, it's always talked about, and it's a it's never ending. It's a never ending source of frustration for us when we're only able to get one team in on any given year. Yeah. And uh, you know, we just got some great teams in our league. Uh, Laterno uh, represented our conference very well last year. Yeah. Did Solrod State uh, very good? Uh, Louisiana College down in Pineville is on the rise. They had an eighteen nineteen win season. Very well coached. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Concordia can go anywhere and compete with anybody over on the Western side. Mary sure. Hart Baylor has a great tradition. We've got high quality Division three basketball on the men's side uh, in the ASC. And uh, again, uh, our geography really hurts us sometimes. I was having yeah. breakfast with uh, Charlie Cat, with Charlie Cat Tabikas today, and they feel the same way out west. Oh, absolutely. You know, the geography really limits what we can do along with budgets. And uh, unless you've got money to fork over to get people to your place or fly around the country, you know, it's just tough. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and again, I don't want to dive into the deep end, though I would argue maybe some of the flights to go somewhere else would be a shorter trip than some of those conference games, uh, <laughs> just time-wise. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Could um, be. But let's focus on this weekend. Let's focus on the team. We can certainly dive into the ASC conversation another time again, um, as, I, as we have done it often. But... Uh, this is a, a team that everyone has had their eye on to some degree. If there, there isn't a person in Texas who I talk to who doesn't talk about this team, and it starts with Demetrius Underwood, who, watch out, everybody, yeah. is only a junior. This guy's going to yeah. be in the conversation when it talks about all region and all Americas in the future. 21.2 points a game, 10 rebounds a game. He's second on the team in assists at 98 total this season. Uh, he, he shoots 49% from the floor. Uh, not the best outside shooter, but you don't need him to be. He's also a solid free throw shooter. Yes, there's other guys. We will get to them, but he's obviously the the straw that stirs the drink, as it were. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure you've heard this said before that I always I'd rather have a great scorer than a great shooter, and he can <laughs> score the ball in a lot of different ways. And you know, it, quite frankly, you know, he's the uh, he's the MVP of our. Uh, uh, conference tournament, you know, he's a player of the year, yeah. player of the year in our conference overall. Uh, he's, he, he, he's really good. He can do a lot of different things. And uh, uh, he's, he's a physical specimen. Uh, he can run, he can jump, but he's just a savvy basketball player. And he can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And uh, we wouldn't be where we are without him. That's all I can say. A really impressive uh, young lad. Uh, Hans Burtz is the second on the team in scoring at 15 points a game. Jalen Weber at 13 points a game. Michael Forster, uh, Forster added a syllable there at 10 points a game. Eight points from Curtis Allen. You know, a lot of a lot of guys who can put up points. Underwood being a junior, you got some other guys we mentioned there like Weber who are underclassmen. Really, when you look at upper, oh, that's right. You don't have any seniors on this team, Terry. <laughs> that's yeah. got to be a luxury. Well. It's a, it's it's a sort of a, an, a, an aberration and it's very unusual, but 
uh, nonetheless, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that we're not going to lose anybody out of this group. Uh, you know, whatever this experience becomes for us, uh, I think it's a, uh, a great starting point for whatever is in our future uh, because uh, I think our, our, our future is bright. We've, we've got really good kids uh, who are good basketball players, and I get to have them stick around for another year on top of that. You got 17 on this roster. You're willing to play usually about 11 deep in most games. That keeps everybody certainly active and keeps them fresh. Do you change the tactics, though, for the NCAA tournament with media breaks and all the like? Or are you still willing to go 11 deep? Yeah, I think everything's a situational deal now, Dave. Uh, sure. Uh, but I, I think that uh, I don't see us changing or deviating from what we've been doing uh, over the course of time here. You know, you, you, we've got our rotation we've got our pecking order uh we know what guys can do what in given situations we got some uh some multi-skilled players that can play multiple positions so we're just going to go out there and be ourselves i don't see any reason to change if our if our best is good enough then great if our best isn't good enough then we'll, we'll address that for the future but uh we are who we are and uh uh, you know, we're going to take our best out there tomorrow evening. Interestingly enough, you were having breakfast with the enemy this morning. Katsia Fikas, your, uh, your partner in crime there for the breakfast meal. Of course, he's going to be on the other side of the, uh, of the, uh, of the floor tomorrow with his yeah. squad at Pomona Pitzer. What do you expect out of, out of that squad? What do you think you guys need to do to get past them? Well, you know, Charlie Katz bringing a really – outstanding team mm -hmm. uh, into the tournament. You know, uh, they, they've lost twice all year. They're the, yeah. the only ones to beat Whitman. Yep. So uh, that, that resume speaks for itself. But uh, underneath that, looking at their team, uh, they're tall, they're long, they're experienced, uh, they're multi-skilled. You know, you can't say, i got to get this guy and I can leave this guy alone. I just don't see any weaknesses there at all. Uh, Charlie does a great job coaching them. I've known them for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, they run good stuff. Uh, all of their stuff is to uh, highlight the skill set of one of their individual players. Uh, their team is very unselfish. Uh, I'm impressed at how they constantly make one extra pass to take a good shot into a great shot. And uh, when you have seniors like he's got who have played together for a long period of time, man, that's that, that's a delight to have. I, I know he's going to be excited to have his group here, particularly with the kind of season they're coming from, too. Yeah, they're certainly having a good season under, you know, again, hard to grasp what they are. The win over Whitman certainly stands out, as you said. You guys are going to have a great match. By the way, before I let you go, uh, your your uh, SID was terrific, Dave Wester. We're looking at a picture now of the entire team in, in front of a snowbank that is taller than themselves. <laughs> Um, you found it, huh? I, I did. I, I think the uh, the snow they're standing on is more than you guys normally see uh, in a year. Oh. Granted, I know you guys get a little bit once in a blue moon. That, that's got to be an awesome experience for you guys. You should have seen, uh, you know, I, we, we, we recruit uh, not only there in northern Texas, but we, uh, we do well in uh, Houston and San Antonio, and mm -hmm. I've got a couple of kids on the team, and when they stepped out of the airplane and a, felt the temperature, and B, looked around at all the snow. I saw some eyes popping. My, my biggest problem, Dave, right now, my biggest problem is to make sure that the snowball fights, nobody's getting hit in the eye, uh, nobody's getting hit uh, in the nose, uh, and, and nobody's 
getting the head coach by God. <laughs> yeah, you might not play tomorrow if you hit the head coach. Yeah, right. Uh, he right. I could, exact some revenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, no, it's definitely a different environment than our kids are used to, and we're have to work real hard to make sure they use uh, you know scarves and they're using headgear, <laughs> and because they're just not used to that. You know, they don't get it. So. Yeah, being from upstate New York, I had to coach him up on that. Yeah, I was going to say, Terry, you have a little bit of experience in upstate New York, but it's I been do. a while. I'm sure your warm weather gears are, are more in, in line than your cold weather gears. Um, curious, I talked to Whitman. They always talk about how usually they've got to fly a charter to get out of Walla Walla. What did you guys fly? How was your travel experience out there? Well, we had quite an adventure yesterday, I must say. We uh, uh, we got up at 3.30 in the morning. We met a bus at 4 a.m. We got out to CFW Airport. We uh, took a 6 a.m. flight to Denver. Uh, I thought him a King's breakfast at McDonald's in the Denver airport. And, <laughs> at least uh, it's a nice airport. We, we climb on a uh, we climb on a regional jet. Oh. We are we're closing in. We think we're right there, and they come on and say, "Well, we're going to divert you to Boise because oh. there's too much weather in in this area now." So we go to Boise. We're hanging around. We finally get back on the airplane. The weather finally clears. We get in here. We take an hour charter bus. Uh, after we found him another King's meal at Wendy's. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we got on down here. We missed our practice time down here, but uh, local high school was very gracious to open their doors to us in Not the good. evening. But all told, it was about a 14-hour ride, oh. which I must say, we went to Italy last spring. It was longer sure. than the trip to Italy. I was going to say, so, yeah, again, that conference thing. Um, sometimes yeah. it's a shorter trip to go elsewhere than it is in conference. Sometimes getting in somewhere in the United States is, is a longer trip than going outside the country. Um, real quick, did you where'd you fly into? Uh, a regional airport about an hour from here. Oh, okay. Of course. You're going to ask me the name of no, it. No, 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 no. I, I just thought, I, for some strange reason, I thought maybe they flew you into Spokane. I was going to start laughing about the fact you went to Whitworth. Um, <laughs> you went to the wrong school, uh, Terry. Um, well, nope. thanks thanks for coming on. I, I know it's been a while since hey. we've chatted. Love seeing you when I do see you. Um, good it's luck good out there uh, against Pomona Pitzer. And if you're if you're lucky enough to win, to go on, whoever you play in the next round, obviously enjoy it. We know we'll be talking a lot about you guys next year, certainly. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in? Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on and letting me represent our, our program and our university and the ASC. That's, that's big to us. Uh, anytime we can get a little publicity. And want to just say thank you so much for all you do for three, D3 basketball. It's the best thing we have. It's great exposure for the kids. And I love what you do, and I hope you never give it up. Oh, thanks, Terry. Well, geez, put that pressure on the back end of it. I, not, <laughs> I go. You better need yeah. to call the wife, uh, just a yeah, heads up. Right. Uh, appreciate it. Really do. Thanks. Take care. Oh, uh, hopefully okay, the buddy. trip back is easier, but enjoy the weekend while you're out there. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Terry Butterfield joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. All interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help your broadcast go to the next level. Learn more today by visiting blueframetech.com. That's www.blueframetech.com. And tell them I sent you. Um, why not? Right. All right. So, uh, congratulations to them. Got some tweets out there. Um, let's see one person saying, um, 
also did a good job. Let's see. I think I feel like there's more of a conversation here. Oh, also did a good job talking about the disadvantage we have in the region scheduling-wise in Texas. Yeah, we talk about that often. Here's what I'll say is I, I get that there's challenges in Texas. I get that there's challenges in the Skyac. I get that there's challenges uh, in the northwest part of the country, et cetera, et cetera. I get that those are challenges, but I have seen teams solve those challenges. We have seen Whitman go out there and schedule. Granted, on a little bit of a razor's edge, because if if they if what happens to Whitman is what happened to Whitworth this year, they're not going to make the tournament. And Whitworth lost, arguably won probably too too many games against an SOS that wasn't that strong. You know, I understand that there's challenges, and that's the risk it takes. Unfortunately. I don't know where the happy medium is because if we just went on winning percentages, it opens up a horrible Pandora's box schedule. SOS obviously is a disadvantage to some degree, but the ASC is one of a couple conferences that plays in my opinion, too many games and they've got to find a way to trim off some of the fat to allow teams who want to go better challenge themselves, whether they challenge themselves at home, whether they challenge themselves on the road, whichever the case may be, I think at some point I'd like to see that happen. I get that there's a Sol Rosses and the Louisiana colleges of the world that may have a little bit more trouble finding games, but I've seen enough teams, and whether it's East Texas Baptist women uh, this season or a couple others that I noticed who are repeating conference foes for conference game for non-conference games or having two games against a non-conference foe, they can still go and do that if they want. So let's say you take 20 and trim it to 16, and now a team needs to go find one or two extra games. They can still go and pair up against a conference foe if they want to. It's not going to help the SOS, but it's not going to hurt the SOS of the entire conference as much as the teams who do that and play a third time. So it, it just in my thinking here, I, I feel like the ASC has got to do this, and they're not the only ones. The MIAC has to look at their conference scheduling. It is if they want at large teams, they have got to fix the SOS and playing 20 times is a disadvantage. The AMCC is going to be in this boat when they bring in Alfred state next year, that is not going to help them any because they're going to be up near 20 games for conferences. And, and the, and the NESCAC is going to have to tackle this soon because they may run into a scenario with the schedule for allowance of games, you know, earlier in November that there's going to be non-conference opponents who have no need to play a NESCAC school. And now the NESCAC teams can't find enough games and they're going to have to add conference games. They cannot go to a double round robin. They're too large in that sense. So you've got to get creative. And that's where I just would love to see the ASC take that step. And I get it. You do not need to preach to me that it's tough to find games. I understand that more, very much so. I talk to enough people. I, I totally understand that. But I also feel that the conference has to do right by those who are willing to take those steps. If a Texas Dallas or an ETBU or a Laterno or a Mary Harden Baylor or whoever it is, is willing to go out and get a couple extra games themselves, the conference, in my opinion, has got to let them do that. Right now, that doesn't, and it keeps the conference from getting extra picks. Now, the women got a second pick, but if you look at those two women's programs, they went and challenged themselves. Imagine if they could challenge themselves more. That's all I'm saying. So there you go. I think I got it off my chest. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Ryan says, is there a school in above 18,000? So someone asked, said, UT Dallas with 18,000 undergrads, which school in the T3 tourney has the largest school student enrollment? Anyone? I apologize, Mick. I wrote my answer as NYU. I didn't realize you were talking about in the tournament. 
in the tournament, yeah, I think Texas Dallas probably has the largest um, enrollment of the tournament off the top of my head. Um, I can't think of all the other tournament teams in if there's a larger team or a larger school, but I think that would be your answer. Uh, if NYU was in, I'd be right. <laughs> NYU is the biggest uh, enrollment in Division Three. All right, before we wrap things up, um, I told you I would bring you the the men's selections. Uh, we asked a bunch of guests uh, and friends of the show what they thought or who they thought would win the uh, men's basketball uh, tournament. Really, who I, I it started off by asking them who do you think is going to be in the Final Four, uh, and ended up going off its rails from there. Uh, thanks in part to my friend Ira Thor, but then Tim Calderwood took it and got real serious with this one. Anyway, so they, they have their picks. It's going to take about 10 minutes. Sit back and enjoy. When we come back, I will not give you my picks, but I'll explain why I'm not giving you my picks, but we'll get you ready for the weekend. So before we sign off, at least, here are our friends and experts who, who have their thoughts on who will be in the championship weekend in Fort Wayne and who might, might win a national title as well. I'm Tim Calderwood. I vote in the men's top 25 and on the SID at Benedictine University in Lyle, Illinois, who played in Salem back in 2016. Dave McHugh has asked us for some predictions entering this 2019 NCAA tournament. And I'm just going to tell you, this is going to be a little bit longer. As a voter, I pay a lot of attention to the men's tournament and to all those teams on the radar. So uh, here we go. Let's dive in. Last year, the teams who played for the national title didn't have a chance to play on their home floor over the first two weekends of the tournament. Could we see a team pull off a similar stunner this year? Also last year, there were tons of surprises on the way to the Salem, and in fact in Salem as well. Was the successes of last year so much that allowed us to focus on the so-called top four teams this year that perhaps we missed someone who can sneak into championship weekend? Well, we'll know the answers to that in a couple of weeks on the trek to Fort Wayne. The biggest question to me entering this tournament is sectional weekend. What happens if the top seeds advance? Who is hosting? Who ends up hosting can, of course, have a huge bearing on who reaches championship weekend. Could we see a national title rematch in the sectional semifinals? Well, this is certainly where hosting can come into play, but the NCAA also did not do Oshkosh any favors. Full disclosure, I was the only person who had Oshkosh number one on my ballot for a few weeks this year. But losing two out of three heading into the tournament certainly leaves me with a little bit of questions about that Titan team who has gone through some transition this year. So let's start on that side and specifically with the defending national champs. Nebraska Wesleyan really prior to last year is kind of the best team that you might never heard about. They're on an island even though they play in the underrated American Rivers Conference. They haven't cruised to a 26-1 record this year but despite showing some signs of weakness they've continued to win and I think that allows them a chance to defend the national title in Fort Wayne. Now, the Augustana bracket sets up really well for a team we've certainly seen a lot of in March. I honestly don't know that there's much of a test waiting for them really anywhere in that grouping. They have kind of a run that looks as though they could be a number one overall seed. Certainly, it's not necessarily that way, but the way it's set up, it certainly looks like it's a fairly easy route for Augustana. Could conference foe Wheaton emerge as a sectional opponent? Aston Francis is a special player, so make sure you at least watch a little bit of him before Wheaton's season and his career come to a close. There are a lot of on-the-radar but never really in that top conversation teams in the Augustana pod that can surprise, but I'll take Augustana. Now we look to the other side. Another one-loss team in Whitman who lost on a neutral floor last year to the national champs. 
The one loss this season for Whitman came to a team in their pod in Pomona Pitzer. That was an overtime. How fun would an East Coast-West Coast matchup of Whitman and Williams be in the sectionals? Whitman, in my mind, is another team that's gone through some trials this year but has overcome those obstacles, and I think they can take it a step further this year by reaching championship weekend. The last bracket is one in my mind that is wide open. Amherst is certainly the favorite, and the Mammoths have returned to the national stage again. But are they prepared for the gauntlet that waits and what is really a wide-open grouping? The Rowan pod specifically is going to be a fun one to watch on opening weekend. I'm going to take a team that's gotten close the last couple of years and despite being ranked sixth entering the tournament, has flowed under the radar for much of this season. I know Dave's talked a lot about them. I have them ranked highly as well and Swarthmore. The Garnet have not played a game closer than 18 points in over a month and enter with 10 straight victories. So that leaves us on one side with Whitman and Swarthmore. I like this Whitman team. We'll take the Blues to move on. Nebraska Wesleyan and Augustana could be an epic semifinal. Both teams have lost to Loris this year. Can the size and athleticism and depth of Augustana slow down Nebraska Wesleyan and their outside shooting? I think this one's going to go down to the wire, and Augustana can certainly win in a slower-paced contest. But I'll take the defending champs in an 80-77 type contest, which will lead us to a matchup that, quite frankly, we don't really see all that often, right? Number one versus number two. I hope Memorial Coliseum has some extra nets ready because a lot of points are going to be scored between Nebraska Wesleyan and Whitman, and the scoreboard operator is certainly going to have his finger on the button. I'll take the defending champs to give us the first repeat since Washington 10 years back. Hey everyone, Ira Thor, Director of Athletic Communications at New Jersey City University and a 15-plus year D3Hoops.com top 25 panelist here with my 2019 Division III tournament predictions. Well, the gyms are quiet for now, but pretty soon in a year where I think the D3 committee did an amazing job with this bracket and made it a true national tournament, I don't think you're going to see a lot of major upsets. So here are my national semifinalists. Out of the upper left quadrant, Whitman edging Hamilton. From the bottom right quadrant, I have Swarthmore defeating Amherst. From the upper right quadrant, I have defending champion Nebraska Wesleyan outlasted Wisconsin Oshkosh in a rematch of the 2018 national title game. And in the bottom right quadrant, I have Augustana knocking off my NJCU Gothic Knights in the national quarterfinals. In the national semifinals, I have Whitman knocking out Swarthmore and Nebraska Wesleyan defeating Augustana. Yes, not a lot of originality here, but in my opinion, these are the two best teams in the country all year. In the finals, the Whitman Blues, after losing in the semifinals in 2017 and the quarterfinals to Nebraska Wesleyan last year, they finally get it done. They extend their winning streak to 28, they finish the year 32-1, and and they win the national title in Fort Wayne. This team is averaging 105 points per game, and they will continue their incredible three-point shooting throughout the tournament as Joey Hewitt and the Blues win 96-88. They are playing just too well in the second half of the season, and they will outlast the Wolves team that averages six players in double figures. Hey guys, this is Bob Quillman, Central Region Correspondent on Hoopsville, amateur pool seat bracketologist, and generally just a guy that likes to give Dave McHugh a really hard time as much as I can. Uh, my good friend Dave asked me for some final four picks. For what it's worth, I'm gonna give you my men's picks. I've got Whitman, Amherst, UW Oshkosh and Augustana. In the national championship game, I have the Blues of Whitman facing the Vikings of Augustana. 
My national champion is the team I think is the most talented, the deepest, and the most complete. I'm going to go with the Vikings of Augustana. I have the CCIW winning its first national championship since 1997. Should be an awesome tournament. Hope everyone has a great and safe time following your teams. And I hope to see all of you in Fort Wayne. Hello everybody, this is Ryan Scott, your Around the Nation columnist for D3Hoops.com. In the 2019 tournament, sadly, I'm going mostly with chalk. You know I love my upsets, but this is what I think will happen. In Fort Wayne, I've got Whitman, Swarthmore, Augustana, and Wisconsin Oshkosh. Three of those four teams have, have a number of players with Final Four experience, which means it's going to be excellent basketball. In the first semifinal, outside of the press, Whitman and Swarthmore actually have a lot in common. But in this matchup of colors, I think the Blues overpower the Garnet and move on to the final. The other semifinal, Oshkosh and Augustan, is going to be the game of the tournament. I think overtime for this one. Um, I've gotten in a lot of trouble not trusting Nolan Ebel this year, but between Jack Flynn on the inside, Ben Boots on the outside, I think Oshkosh just overpowers them and gets on to the final. Sadly, though, in the championship game, another disappointing runner-up finish for the Titans. Whitman has seniors, experience, talent, depth. They're on a mission. I think the winningest senior class in D3 history gets to bring the championship to the Pacific time zone for the very first time. Hi, I'm Ryan Whitnable, host of This Week in Great Lakes Basketball, with my final four picks for this year's men's NCAA basketball tournament. Starting on the top left-hand side of the bracket, the Blues of Whitman, Champions of the Northwest Conference will make their way to yet another Final Four in Fort Wayne. In the bottom left-hand side of the bracket, and a bit of a surprise, Swarthmore, champions of the Centennial Conference, will also make their way to the final weekend. Moving on to the right side of the bracket, I've got the Titans up top and the WIAC champions of Wisconsin Oshkosh. And in the bottom right-hand side of the bracket, it's the Vikings of Augustana getting to yet another Final Four this year in Fort Wayne. In the national semifinals, Whitman will get past Swarthmore. And finally, Wisconsin Oshkosh will get past Augustana to set up a national championship between Wisconsin Oshkosh and Whitman. And this year, my national champion, Coach Bridgeland, and the Blues of Whitman finally get over the hump and win a national title for the Northwest Conference. Best of luck to all the teams and hope to see everyone in Fort Wayne. Hey, this is Pat Coleman, executive editor of D3Hoops.com, and here are my final four picks in the Division Three men's basketball bracket. Top left, Whitman. Bottom left, uh, Amherst. <laughs> Top right, Nebraska Wesleyan. Bottom left, Augustana. And uh, do I need to pick a winner to pick them all to win them all? We're going with Whitman. That's my pick in less than 30 seconds. Thanks for tuning in to D3Hoops.com. I'm Tim Calderwood. I vote in the men's top 25. Whoops. Start over again. Anyway, thanks to all the guys. Jeez. Calderwood took that one seriously, did he not? Thank to everybody else's picks as well. Um, Winnable and uh, Ryan Scott with the with the exact same uh, picks there. We're going to say Winnable stole it from Scott. Anyway, uh, great job by everybody there. Appreciate their time. I am not selecting because here's the biggest reason. I'm on the call once again uh, for the Division Three Championship Weekend. I don't want anybody out there, and there's enough crazies who are going to think that I somehow in my call am calling it based on who I want to see in the championship game or win it based on picks I make here tonight. Do I do I, do I have enough confidence in myself as a broadcaster? Because I do enough broadcasting. This is one of three, four national championships that I take part in. 
uh, at the Division Three level, with more being added. And, of course, I do Division One, Division Three, and high school games all the time. I have enough confidence in myself that my picks will mean nothing when it comes to my broadcasting ability, my ability to be un, uh, unbiased, for lack of a better description, but neutral, really, in my ability to do the job. However, there's enough crazies of you out there who will not see it that way, and as a result, I've decided no longer to make my picks. It just isn't a risk worth taking to hear enough Twitter banter back and forth from all of you. Uh, so there you go. I, I think all those picks are great. I think it's going to be a wide-open tournament. I don't think it holds chalk as much as everybody else does, but I certainly think we're going to see some of our favorites. And by the way, the way that bracket's set up, we also could see some of the heavyweights in Fort Wayne. Really looking forward to it. Um, Dan Tome says, Dave can't turn down $100,000 they pay him to do announcing. I wish if that was the amount of money I was getting paid, then the news I got today at the auto at the uh, car shop where my car was in for an oil change would not even bother me. But the fact it needs two major um, fixes to keep it running after we just purchased a new car, <laughs> I wish it was $100,000. Uh, anyway, breaking news. Just received email. Kevin Vanderstreek has retired from Calvin. Remember, he was chair two years ago, uh, or really last year, I should say. Um, no, two years ago. I'm right. It was Tim um, um, out of Coast Guard, who, interestingly enough, Tim has moved on from Coast Guard. He has left as well. But Kevin Bandestreek has announced that he is retiring from Calvin. We just got the information. Um, he will remain at Calvin as a professor and an administrator. Uh, he retires after a 23-year run as head coach of the Knights, longest-tenured head coach in Calvin men's basketball history, all-time uh, leader in victories in Calvin men's basketball history. 435 and 208 is his mark. Um, includes nine MIA regular season titles, nine MIA tournament crowns, and 10 trips to the NCAA tournament. In 2000, Calvin, uh, he led Calvin to the school's second national title in men's basketball in a 30-2 and two season after they beat Wisconsin-Eau Claire in the title game. Uh, so now both Calvin programs are looking for coaches. Remember, they let go of their women's coach uh, about nine games left in the season. That job is open. I know that much. I've gotten information there, which I think makes this more interesting. I've gotten information out of Calvin that we may see a familiar face with the women's job. That said, with, with this job now opening, I think that familiar face has options. Um, but it also, this is going to be a national search. Now, remember, Calvin is a unique school in, in its religious makeup and all, and I think on the women's side, we noticed that it's not always the right fit for, for who seems like a good coach, uh, you know, for what they do. You've got to fit in in many other ways. Now, remember, new coaches do not take on the professional, uh, the, prof the professor side of things as much as the old coaches like Vandestreek work. Uh, Kevin was holding on to three or four, um, jobs or a profession uh teaching three or four classes a year um so he had a lot on his plate and was also national chair the new coaches coming in don't have to take on that responsibility so that's removed but the religious side of it the 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 culture side of it is something you want to find the right pick so while it will be i think it's a highly sought after job uh, it's not for everybody. 
Uh, so it'll be fascinating to see how Calvin men and women go here. Again, Kevin Vanderstreek announcing that he is out. He's retiring from Cal, Cal, um, Calvin men's basketball. Heck of a way to go out, by the way, 3-0 and against Hope this season. That is a – listen, you, you, there's national titles. There's conference titles, certainly. Those are all important. But Kevin's going to retire going 3-0 and against Hope. And I'm just proud to say I got to see Kevin coach uh, in a game at Hope. Unfortunately, we were unable to catch up with him after the game to get an interview with him. I now kind of kicking myself a little bit. We didn't try harder. Uh, but congratulations to Kevin, nonetheless, on his career. And Calvin, men's and women's basketball, starting fresh, completely anew. Again, a familiar face I've been told could be in the mix, at least we were told, for the women's job. I think with Kevin now leaving, that could change that a little bit. But we'll keep an eye on things and see how it plays out. Dan says Bob Semling. No, not that familiar a face. Bob Semling still at Stevens Point last we checked. Oh, wait, they're not in the tournament. We need to check faster. Uh, but no, I, in all kidding aside, Bob Semling, last we heard, still at Stevens Point despite the outcome of the investigation. I think that's worth watching. Uh, the school has until November 22nd to put a, a show cause in place to, to show the NCAA how they will uh, adapt or, or adjust or whatever they need to to the uh, punishments handed down to Bob. Uh, but that's what, something we'll keep an eye on. I don't think we need to do anything about it now. Um, Let's see here. Dan, I don't know what you're saying about Dan Dakish. I'm not following that. Um, try to see if there's other comments. Um, did Ira finally make it to the Ohio River? Last we checked, Ira did make it to the Ohio weather. So did uh, um, New Jersey City after 10 hours on the bus um, going round and round. Oh, sorry, bad joke. So there you go. So breaking news there. Um, again, uh, Kevin Vandestreek out as head coach. I'm quickly checking. I don't think he had one, two seasons below 500. Unfortunately, those two coming in the last four years. Um, here's the thing that I also think is a challenge for Calvin, and, and this is something I think institutionally they need to look at. There's a lot of expectations on Hope and Calvin for teams to do well, but they don't have full-time assistant coaches. And I know Division Three hasn't have a lot of them, but I, I think, well, I think it was really unfair for a for a professor who's also a coach who doesn't have a full-time assistant. I think that's insane. Now that's changed and you could make an argument. They don't need full-times, but I, I think full-time assistant coaches are certainly very helpful in all sports in division three these days. So there you go. Kevin Vanderstreek uh, Van out at Hoopsville. I'd love to tell you, you heard it here first, but you didn't. If anybody's been following around division three, you may have seen a lot of other places uh, where that was announced um, I've gotten a text already from, uh, some individuals about it. Uh, I've got, I see it on Twitter. So that announcement coming out, uh, to all of us, which is fair. Um, but at least you heard it here first versus reading it somewhere first. All right. So that's going to do it. We are a little late because the show, uh, with some technical glitches ran long. So we're going to wrap things up. We got to get ready for tomorrow's whip around. Again, Ryan Scott will be in studio tomorrow. Gordon Mann will join us on Saturday. There's a chance you may hear from Bob, uh, Bob. Well, maybe Bob Coleman, but Pat Coleman at some point during our broadcast as well. This is Tournament Central for you if you're a Division Three fan. If you want to know what's going on, uh, we will keep you abreast, and we have permission. Uh, we are the only place you'll be able to go in and see all the games going on. We will take you to games that are taking place. We'll dive in um, and look at, at games going on, take you down to, to incredible finishes. 
try and get to all of them. Some of them time themselves poorly that we can't get to all of them, but we will do our best. We'll try and at least stay with programs. Uh, if you are a streaming school out there, I implore you for two things. One, um, make sure you keep streaming at the end of your broadcast um, so that your broadcast doesn't abruptly end at the very end. There, there's always handshakes and stuff, but at least give all of us a chance to uh, see the end of a game. Uh, make sure your camera operators are following the action at all times. I uh, can't tell you how many times we've seen a camera not follow the action and a buzzer beater was it for the win. Um, so please follow the action. And most importantly, um, enjoy the experience, everybody. This is the best time of the year. We always enjoy being on the air for this stuff, but we also enjoy uh, watching the games, and it should be a blast, and we hope all of you will uh, enjoy it with us. You can get all the links to live stats and videos uh, streams at d3hoops.com. Uh, of course, we'll be Tournament Central showing you all that, breaking things down as well, and so on and so forth. We'll be back on so, – so Friday, whip around. Saturday, whip around. We'll be back on the air Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern with Hoopsville for, for some ungodly reason. <laughs> Um, and then we'll try and figure out what we're doing the next weekend. So there you go. Got any questions for us? You can always ask them in the off air. If you need, you can tweet us at D3 Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. And of course you can always uh, follow us on Facebook and message us, message us there as well. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Want to thank all of our guests for appearing on the show tonight. They included Matt Hunter from York college, Bobby Hughes from Rosemont, Brian Morehouse from hope uh, Brad Fisher from Oshkosh and Terry Butterfield from Texas, Dallas. I want to thank the sports information directors at those institutions as well. They included Scott Geis at uh, York College. I uh, also want to thank Dave Wester at um, Texas, Dallas. Um, of course, um, Kevin Cooney at Rosemont. I want to thank him for his time. Didn't get to talk to Ken and Tim, uh, but Ken and Tim is the SID at Oshkosh. We didn't, we didn't need him. We needed him to rest as we once again uh, send our thoughts to him after a, a tough accident that he has had to be hospitalized for. We hope his, he's on the mend in the best way possible, as they say. Um, and so on and so forth. I, I don't know if I, if, I, if I left somebody out. I, I don't remember if I did. Uh, oh, of course, at Hope. It's Alan Babbitt. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. <laughs> Alan, I love you. Yeah, Alan knows that. But thanks to Alan for his help as well. And then thanks to everybody who joined, uh, who sent in their uh, picks. Pat Coleman, Ryan Scott, uh, Ryan Winnable, um, who am I, uh, Bob Quillman, Ira Thor, and um, uh, Tim Calderwood. Um, I know there were others who wanted to, but I were unable to, to send theirs in. I appreciate the effort nonetheless to even consider it. And with that, we'll sign off. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Uh, I want to thank our partners at D3Hoops.com. Um, of course, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Blue Frame Technology. I want to thank Wisconsin Eau Claire for their support as well. And of course, City of Salem and the City of Fort Wayne. Get your tickets today for the championship weekends in women's basketball at the Roanoke College and for men's basketball at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne. Hoopsville will be there on location in Fort Wayne with Hoopsville courtside shows, but we can talk more about that down the road but thanks to everybody for their support of our programming especially with more car repairs that support is 
more necessary than it needs to be. And with that, we sign off. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. We'll be back on the air Sunday, but join us for Whip Around this Friday and Saturday, starting at 5 o'clock Eastern on Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, and make sure to go to d3hoops.com for all your tournament news, information, and links. Good night, everybody, and enjoy the tournaments. This should be an awesome run to a championship. Good night, everybody.